Welcome, everybody. My name is Jim Stewart, and this is Behind the Blade Podcast, episode 45. Joining me today, as always, is my good friend, Matt Martin. I didn't know if I was supposed to talk there or if you were just going to introduce me. I, I, that was the plan in my head, yeah. but, I, but, I, but, I, but I like, but I like motion to you, and you're just like, I am sticking with the plan. And I, I'm like, we're going to stick to the plan. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's more fog machine effect when you say the name than when the like the fighter coming out of the ring says his own name. You I, feel, know what I, I mean? feel like you should just be hidden from me the entire time, and we should have like doves and fire extinguishers going. You know, as soon as you pop up from the table. <laughs> We're on a shoestring budget, guys. I mean, we steal the fire extinguishers from the local movie theater, and that's what we have for special effects. <laughs> you will like it. <laughs> we got a great show for you guys tonight. Stay tuned. And we are back. Episode number 45. Getting ready to kick off. We've got a uh, couple related newsworthy topics that we found on KnifeNews.com this afternoon. And uh, Mr. Stewart. Mr. Martin. What's first on the docket, sir? First on the docket. Posted to KnifeNews.com July 22nd. Two days after the 50th anniversary of the Apollo landing. On That would be the moon. The landing. Uh, alleged moon landing, <laughs> let's be honest. There is there is that whole thing. I'm not diving into that at all. 50-foot poles over there. Um, Victorinox released a new limited... We never landed on the moon, folks. <laughs> Firestorm. Yeah. 200 million subscribers gone. <laughs> right. Inter- instantly. If only we could leave low Earth orbit. Anyways, uh, back on topic. We'll just... Uh... <laughs> Victorinox released a new limited edition version of their Tinker model over the weekend to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11's moon landing. As with many Victorinox special editions, the differences between the Man on the Moon Tinker and its unlimited production version are cosmetic. The Celador scales show images of the landing and showcase the exact date and time it occurred, 2017-40 UTC on July 20th, Notice they didn't give location. Oh my god. Are you gonna ride this whole thing? Yeah, yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Alright, Apollo eleven, of course, was the first manned spacecraft to land on the moon. In a nice touch, Victorinox scheduled the release date of this model to coincide with the exact time it touched down fifty years ago. Good job on you guys. But anyway, it's pretty cool. It's a tinker. And it has uh, some cellular scales with a graphic on on it behind it, and it is a very sweet looking Victorinox. It is. So what was the no. blade finish on it? Uh, is it their poly polychrome or polychromatic or monochromatic? What did they call it? It's either many or one. I don't yeah. remember which. Or is it just it's, a full mirror polish? It doesn't actually say. As I as I quickly peruse the, the oh, is it oh polyspectral blade coating process. So okay. the polyspectral, no, not yep. polychromatic. Polyspectral. polyspectral. Blade I think process. that's their kind of black mirror. Yeah, it's really cool. Okay, okay. very cool. Yeah, that, then then that's what it gets, and it, it makes sense. It fits, and I right. think it's cool. Black um, is the redacted <laughs> lines on the official report. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get the report from Stanley Kubrick? <laughs> I never divulge my sources, Jim. Oh my god! <laughs> I hope you guys all know that we're joking. <laughs> <laughs> so that's very cool. Um, and the only the only criticism that I really have is that the uh, the, uh, the the baking soda and gravel background is uh, supposed to be reminiscent of the surface of the moon and. You're supposed to shoot that in low definition, eight millimeter, to make it believable. <laughs> every, every response. <laughs> I'm a so, man of convictions, my friend. 
So that's that's cool. Very uh, very uh, very good very good job, Victorinox. And uh, this is super cool. We're looking forward to seeing if you guys pick up any of these and you like them. And if you do, go ahead and throw them up at the trench crew. We'll we'll have a discussion about it. It'll be awesome. Yeah, and the Tinker so, uh, standalone. I mean, if you're into space, uh, uh, what's the Air, what would be space explorer like, memorabilia? What would you call that? Space memorabilia. Space. Yeah. It's just space. That sounds like yeah. kind of a generic or, or, word. Or uh, um, astronautical. Astronautical. I like. I'm, I'm coin- so, is astronautical a word? If it's not, I'm coining it. It is now. Okay. We're going to call uh, Webster as soon as we're done here. And we're astronautical. Gonna be like, astronaut- astronautical memorabilia. And they're like, like, they're like, do you mean astronomical? No, Star-C. that word exists. Yeah, it's star star C. Star C. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> astronautical memorabilia is pretty cool, but the knife in and of itself, the Tinker is a super versatile knife. Um, actually, I think I have a couple of them floating around but i love that they call it the 3d phillips screwdriver um it's it's a round shank true phillips screwdriver so i mean Mm -hmm. it it fits down if you have a like a screw that is set inside of a counterboard hole oh cool it goes right down inside yeah right it's a number two it's it's not one of the it's not one of the flat ones that just happens to fit a range no sir yeah yeah gotcha super cool yeah really really valuable Mm -hmm. tool uh the tool the two blades uh i would say on the tinker i like which i'm not a two blade guy but the smaller of the two blades is great for opening packages and stuff Mm -hmm. like that whereas your other basic utility work you'll actually find that use a smaller blade more than the larger blade to be completely honest because all the stuff you do for opening that you would use with a swiss army knife is kind of cool like that well i mean Uh, that's the idea is that is that you got your superfluous task blade, which is usually your smaller one, and then your larger task blade, yep. your reserve. Yep. You know, so yeah, absolutely. So, and that's a, that's pretty pretty common through uh, traditional knives. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I mean, even all the way back down to axes, right? like your speed axes, your cruisers. Yes. One side's for limbing, one side's for... One side's for chopping. Yep. Yeah, right? exactly. You know, yep. you know it, it's it's just cool. Sharp and high impact. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's pretty neat. It's neat they're commemorating right. it. It's neat they jumped on the bandwagon. So, yeah, I kind of like it. Right. And Victorinox notes that it is perfect for long trips to space. You have all the tools you need in one small package. Right. Space or Hollywood, wherever you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. We're moving on. Next topic. Yeah. <laughs> moving on. Mr. Martin, I will let you take the helm on this one from uh, from Statgear, also dealing with Victorin- Victorinox blades. Oh, this was kind of cool, actually. This has been showing up in my Facebook feed quite a bit. And although I was interested in it and totally logged away the knowledge, never once did I say, oh, I should talk about this on the podcast. And so I forgot I have this other job. And I saw this on <laughs> KnifeNews.com. And I was like, oh, that's right. I was actually pretty excited about that. I need to start taking notes so I can reference the show uh, back. But this is... Uh, I'm kind of stoked on this. This is uh, Clip and Carry, a new brand from the people behind Statgear, is looking to fund the Swiss Clip, spelt with a Q, and known of those uh, superfluous U's that follow it. Uh, Swiss Q-L-I-P, an attachable accessory for 91mm Swiss Army knives that are given the, the that gives them a pocket clip. So let me sum that up. This is a <laughs> bolt-on pocket clip for any of your 91 millimeters now mm-hmm. that does cover the tinker yep. um i think as long as it has a key ring uh like the little ear that sticks yeah, that's, up that's, for the key ring that looks like what it bolts through i think you, that's you've a, got you've got you got two brackets on it one of them yep. bolts through that and the other one's like a retention bracket that goes into like the frame yeah so you know, some like the space on the frame some exclusions in the 91 millimeter mm-hmm. would be mm-hmm. i think the soldier is sans key ring ear right so but any but any of your aloxes are mm-hmm. going to possess it as well so sure. i mean all your i mean that's your uh the champion mm-hmm. that's your uh, not the cadet but that's going to be the farmer uh what's the one that i carry every day 
Isn't it the Alox or Pioneer? Pioneer. Pioneer. Yeah, there's yeah, like Pioneer. the Pioneer, Pioneer X, the Tinker, mm-hmm. uh, and then the, there's a series, a, a, just a myriad of 91 millimeter mm-hmm. variants. That is like their most standard Swiss Army knife size, other than the classic, which is a, a very small and like a key ring. Um, so yeah, so these guys, this is pretty cool. So the Swiss Army knife has been the most popular EDC multi tool for decades, and for good reason, says Stat Gear and Clip and carry founder Avi Goldstein, but we felt that it was missing one of the most important elements to make it perfect, which was carrying comfort and accessibility. Anybody who's had a Swiss Army knife turn sideways in their pocket and arrest all forward movement at the quadricep knows exactly what this guy's talking about. We've all done it. Swiss Army, or like a buck 110 or a Swiss Army knife turns sideways and your your step yeah. gets shortened by about eight inches. You, you, yeah. can, you can feel the whole thing. It's like a stop. bar. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, what the hell? Right. Um, <laughs> And, and so I completely agree with him. And uh, with an aim to finding a solution to this problem, Goldstein and his team spent two years developing the Swiss clip. We believe the Swiss Army that the, we believe the Swiss Army knives would be so much more convenient to carry if they wouldn't have to be carried in the bottom of your pocket or attached by a bulky key ring. Clip and Carry decided to repurpose that key ring attachment. There we go. Reference back to the beginning. Uh, present on so many sack models as a fastening point for the Swiss clip. A single screw passes through the key ring and is fastened to the Swiss clip itself. Mounting arms provide additional rigidity and keep the Swiss clip in place while staying out of the way of any of the tools. Clip is firmly mounted onto the scale of the knife and every single function of the multi-tool is still 100% functional. Goldstein confirms. So uh, basically, mm-hmm. uh, it's compatible with 21 different 91 millimeter models, uh, including all the popular ones that we the listed. The Tinker family and the Swiss and, champ, like you said, yeah. Yeah, and once they prove the concept <clears throat> is well received, they'll be working on an 80, uh, one that's uh, fittable to the 84 millimeter models, which is awesome too. So sweet. That's that's probably what this whole thing is uh, is getting towards. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Go keep on going. Yeah, You're no, good. no, yep. that's that's. That's the point of the show, Jim, no, is the I banter know. back and forth. It's not interrupting. That's how that's the dynamic yeah. of the program. So 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 what I was gonna say Moon and, landing uh, never happened. It, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> he, he's busting my balls so hard on this one. So so um what it is is it's available on Indiegogo right now as of as of 19 when this article went live, it is seven twenty-five right now. So that means that there are three 31 days left on their Indiegogo campaign. They've already crushed their uh, their funding goal. Their funding goal initially was $5,000. They are at $28,000. This is roughly this 560% if my <clears throat> memory, not math, serves me correctly. <laughs> I would I would have totally hammed that up. Okay. Yeah, it's like, it's like that would be 560%, Jim. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. But um, go to Indiegogo.com. Um, or go to knifenews.com, find the article. There's a link to it there as well. But if you go to Indiegogo.com and you type in Swiss Clip with a Q instead of a C and type that in, you'll see that there. So if you are in time, you uh, you can absolutely make a, make the jump right to this. And their Indiegogo um, video looks like it was made by very capable engineers. You can definitely tell it was made by engineers. That we'll just leave it. We'll just leave it at that. So, <laughs> Interpret that how you may. Right. Yeah. So so for uh, for an early EDC backer, there are still some open as of this point. It is nineteen dollars for the campaign but but uh, it's 32 percent off of the retail which looks like it's going to be 28 so after shipping you're going to end up paying close to 35 bucks you know for this thing but you can get it for 19 plus shipping right now so um you can you can lock that down so whenever it's done it's done it's ready to go and then of course there's there's can, several tiers here where they're regular uh, clips there's, there's engraved ones you can get five of them for 75 bucks here's what i'd know? like to see i'd like to see as many people back these guys as possible and i would like them to have initial success 
um, so that they can follow it up with further development and refinement. Because I think there's huge potential in this. I think they can corner the market in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it looks like the first attempt. You know what I mean? And, sure. And I, I think it's practical. I think it's pragmatic in every way. I think it. Uh, I, I see a huge future with this company, but I think there are some steps before I jump on the train, to be For completely sure. honest. Other than just wanting to support them to see them achieve those steps. Mm-hmm. So that's and that's my very honest opinion on this. I think it's cool. I'm a Swiss Army knife guy. I completely am sympathetic to the plight of needing mm-hmm. a pocket clip. Um, I think they've come up with an innovative solution. I think that success will lend itself to refinement. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And and also hats off to the guys who made this campaign and decided what the perks were because it's nothing but the clips. There's no like there's no like BS perk at the beginning for like ten dollars and you get a t shirt. You, you get, get the say, screw for the you, clip. Right. <laughs> right. That I would do something like that. But but no, it would be like be like there's no like there's no like, hey, thanks for begging us. You get our eternal gratitude. You're right. And, and no, it's actually like the the cheapest perk is the clip itself. Yep. Is it and it's and it's great. It's really cool. So so and it's and it's featured by a ton of people. They've got a bunch of uh, of different uh, of different uh, backers. Yeah, actually this. they do. Yeah, if you look at I mean everything mm-hmm. from bespoke post to personal defense world. Yep. Oh, Think Geek. Uh, yeah. Think Geek oh, is they, on Think there. Geek grab yeah, it. and yeah. Dig. Dig is on there AK, too. Our friends at AKTI, the American <clears throat> Knife and Tool Institute, they back these guys too. So yeah, I mean it is uh yeah, super super Oh, ABC World News Now and the Today Show. I would have never thought that they would be on there but t- they are so I tell you what you know, if i was ever on the today show it would be my driver's license photograph <laughs> and a story <laughs> that is about it this gentleman tried to force feed a raccoon <laughs> right. mashed potatoes right to a bear yeah. <laughs> raccoon's name was mashed potatoes but it was a pet raccoon <laughs> pet raccoon there's a story there too but you guys get the idea <laughs> but uh but yeah no so that uh i think that rounds up the uh the news for our segment for today and we will see you guys in a bit are we recording now yes we're back <laughs> I'm that's keeping how that. i can tell i'm uh, keeping that uh, you know, <laughs> gotta be wrong um yeah so uh yeah we're back so a lot man i tell you what so so much has been going on lately in uh, my shop specifically, I know there's been a lot of stuff going on in Jim's shop too. Um, we are 100% retooling the shop, seeking. You guys are getting lots of cool stuff. It is. Mm-hmm. I'm not financing any of this other than bootstrap, mm-hmm. and we don't make that much money. So every day I'm still kind of like, how are we doing this? But it <laughs> seems to work, and no <laughs> checks have been returned yet. So mm-hmm. something's working out. But our goal is. And it doesn't mean that it's a steadfast rule. And this really goes out to the knife makers out there. Just, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not telling you how to run your shop. I'm not even giving you recommendations. I'm just telling you about this fantastic journey that I've embarked on right recently. And I think Jim has too. I think we've touched on it a couple mm-hmm. times in, 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 in our own, in our own respective ways. Right. For in, sure. in, yeah. It gets scaled up, mm-hmm. right? You yeah. know what I mean? And uh, it's, Maybe you can learn something from it. Maybe you can uh, call me and say, Matt, whatever you do, don't do that. Uh, I always <laughs> stand on the shoulders of giants in that way. Wiser people give me advice, and I listen like 40% of the time. But um, we're tooling up our shop seeking 100% anonim- uh, anonymity, at- autonomy. <laughs> my, my dictionary stopped in the A's. <laughs> uh, 100% autonomy. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that we'll be 
100% autonomous. It just means it's like a backup generator. If the power goes down, if our supply chain for some reason hiccups, which it has been known to mm-hmm. do outside of our control. Not, not just yours, but mine too. Same right. thing. And, yeah. I, and I mean, it's like, hey, man, um, you these guys have been delivered everything that they've asked for. They've been given uh, 3D rendered models through SolidWorks. They've been paid uh, up front of the deposit of their choosing, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that percentage is. Everything is on time. They have the materials. They have everything they could possibly need and they still go a year beyond lead time. Now, we're not talking about custom knives. We're talking about hundreds of knives mm-hmm. and I'm frustrated with it. So if the power goes down, we'll call that scenario grid down. If we go grid down, I would love to be able to fire up that generator, which means I can grab a piece of bar stock. Yep. I can grab a sheet of micarta off my shelf and a little bit of stainless steel tubing, and I can walk those three raw materials through my shop and and complete a knife. Furthermore, I can hand that off to my lovely bride, and she can stitch bovine epidermis all over it, and we can have a complete product in-house. And so it's almost like a safety net more than it is a full-blown business model. Now, Mm -hmm. we can also uh, garner the benefits of, um, I think I'm using garner right there. Yeah, it's gather. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Of of being able to do that in the form of um, high-end customs. Now, what I call these, I don't use that term in my shop. Like It's a universal term that I'm using uh, to convey the point. But to me, what quote unquote high end custom is going to be is going to be a passion project. Now, a passion project is something that you honestly don't expect financial uh, compensation for. Oh, of course you, not. Yeah. Re- re- yeah. Recompensation, I should say, because right. you're putting more hours into it than you're going to sell it. Right. Mm-hmm. And at auction, these things do fairly well. Um, I'm actually really excited about how well our auctions are doing. But I want to be able to burn the midnight oil coming on a Saturday because I'm obsessed with a knife and I can put in. 20 hours in a weekend on on this knife (laughs) Uh and just be done with it instead of sending my baby off to heat treat somewhere else waiting two weeks and then getting it back and having Mm -hmm. the mojo fractured you know what i mean you have to build it back up again after you open the box oh yeah and i mean once you break your voodoo it could take months to get it back where you're like obsessed with that thing again and i came to the hard fast realization that there is and i've denied this for the last decade plus of knife making that I am not an artist. I am a knife. I'm a craftsman. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I've always said that I would have always said the only thing artistic about me is my ego. And then I realized that that really spilled into our full customs. And there is like this, I've got to be feeling it. Now I'm not talking about like standard models like, Oh, we're making a mm-hmm. bunch of tunnel rats. You know what I mean? But I mean like on these crazy customs and, and passion projects or customer orders or whatever they are, you got to be feeling it because there's an expectation from the customer and that expectation. I mean, look at the name of our company. It's vehement knives for Christ's sake. You know what I mean? So it means intensely passionate. And if that passion isn't shining through in your product, then it shows. And, and that is where my artistic side, that artistic ego comes through is they're going to know that I wasn't feeling this knife and they've been waiting long enough and I'm going to deliver this polished turd mm-hmm. and, and expect them to be happy just because the maker's mark that's on it. And I'll be honest, I know we don't cuss on this show, but that's bullshit. I don't know mm-hmm. how else to articulate that. So there has to be that availability that when I have that momentum that I can just keep, and this is different than Jim's plight of higher productivity in-house. Mm-hmm. This is me mm-hmm. trying to keep the steam moving 
and then growing into productivity. So we are seriously retooling the shop. And when I say we are, that's in the most present tense that I can possibly mm-hmm. deliver. We just got our heat treat oven. Yep. We just got our Rockwell testing machine Beautiful. with this upcoming drop of the Oxus collaboration between us and Copus Designs. We're going to be purchasing our uh, surface grinder, which is going to help us immensely in-house. I've just gone through and repaired the existing machines. We've acquired the new knee mill this year. Um, and uh, I think we got another grinder this year and I've got another grinder on the way. So, I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> and I will touch on my upcoming favorite tool in the Q and a segment. Cause I think there was something on there. So, um, there have been, uh, not many, I'm, I'm really cheap, but there were one or two luxury purchases that I was like, this makes me feel really good. So I got them. But, uh, mm-hmm. anyways, that is kind of what's going on. I know this isn't a history segment, but it's something that I feel really strongly about. And I just wanted to kind of bring you guys up to speed that, and to talk to the trench crew specifically, and I mean the knife making trench crew, or maybe you are in, uh, some other cottage industry capacity. Maybe you make GD quilts or you can jam or something like that. If there's something that you can do to have a contingency plan to have that autonomy, first of all, you get to maintain your own standards, right? Which I think is the biggest criticism oh, yeah. I, I have when sending things out of house. You're like, well, I would have spent more time on that and done a better job with it than, than uh, my vendor did. You know what I mean? So you get to maintain your own standards, but you also have control of your own destiny. You can stay late and finish the project. I can only stay so late before I mail something off for three weeks. You know what I mean? And and it screws with my timelines. It screws with exposure, right? There's liability in sending something in the mail, especially something mm-hmm. valuable and expensive. So it's just, there are just, Things that I see as just gleaming benefits to being autonomous in our shop, and we are pursuing it with vehemence. I will use that plug right now because that is really the goal of what we're doing. It's going to help me wipe out the last bit of this queue. I think we're down to Mm -hmm. like sub 40 blades. Nice. Um, Nice. And I've got about half of that already patterned out and these are hand done patterns guys i I mean we have models that are water jet and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. um for these customs that i have right now i haven't done them in any volume um so these are hand profiled hand drilled hand ground you know hand cut hand milled and filed guards and all that crap but uh yeah so i mean we're within the finish line we're within a mile of home i should say Mm -hmm. and uh once that happens then then there is going to be a paradigm shift in the vehement knives uh, marketing and production. I, I just, I want to be able to make the knives that I want to make. And I want there to be a period I'm going to go on vacation and my vacation is going to be in my shop doing passion projects. Yeah. And, right. And, and that's, that's really relaxing. what I'm going to do. Yeah. It is. It, I yeah, mean, it's, that's totally it's cathartic. Yep. I, I mean, it is, I mean, it's the biggest release when you get done. I mean, I've said this before, like, and trust me, I'm no David Blaine and I'm no magician, but when David Blaine would get done levitating on his TV show, he would always be like visually exhausted. Like he would fall over and collapse. Like it took everything he had out of him. And when I finished like one of our higher end customs or passion projects, um, when I wrap one of those up, like that's it. I mean, I could mm-hmm. finish it at 1 p.m., like on these really involved ones. And it's 1 p.m. after what you don't see is the four days leading up to it where I was here until <laughs> 1 a.m. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, you came in just to wrap it up. Yeah. And, and you get it done. And then you have the emotional letdown. That's, you're like, the whole, the, and, and it, and it translates done. to a physical letdown. Yeah, it and does. You're just like, I'm going to sit in this chair and I'm not moving. I'm going to eat the sub sandwich. 
and I'm going to plan for the future. Yeah, right. It, right, but I am yeah. not going to go. I can't just jump into it. Oh, let's do a tunnel rat next. And I'm right. sorry, I don't have that discipline. Yeah. So, and I guess there's a, a subtext here that if if you are realizing that there are days where you just don't have your your voodoo isn't boiling over in the pot mm -hmm. and you're having a hard time this is no excuse for you to just drop it and never come back to it but you're not by yourself you're not alone in that i mean i'm a professional knife maker and i have been full time since 2013 i guess which mm -hmm. isn't that long compared to most but it shows a certain level of dedication that i'm not fly by night <laughs> um and so there are going to be days. And on those days, what I like to do is I like to improve my shop. If I, this is something that even uh, Robert Herbert at R&M Blades, we've talked about. And this is a. It's our last episode, actually. Yeah, this yep. is a nose to the grindstone MFR. I mean, this guy yeah. is hard charging all the yeah, way. Yeah, when he decides to start working, he. It's on. Yeah, exactly. It's on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the world spins beneath his grinder. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, this guy is no joke, but even he has off days. And I and I do think that there is something uh, uh, psychologically that might be similar between me and Herbie where it's like some days are just more difficult than others to find that thing. But you guys aren't by yourself in that. You know what I mean? Because so, I know every one of you is like, dude. I do not have it in me to nail this custom Bowie on the first try today mm -hmm. because I'm not feeling it and I'm not yeah. in the mood to scrap a 14 inch piece of steel. Right. And like I said, this is not an excuse. It's almost like a compulsion, right? Mm -hmm. So find something else in the shop to do. Find that thing that's either distracting you, isolate it and eliminate it. Maybe you need to improve your workspace. Maybe you need to clean your GD shop. I tell you what, knife mm -hmm. making shops are the most disgusting places I've ever been to. My shop is not like that. I keep my shop pretty clean. So <laughs> my shop is like that. I, can't I will tell stand you. It. I cannot fact, stand it. We 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 have a we have a full-time maintenance guy who just does nothing but clean and goes in and his job is to go in during breaks and non-high traffic areas during work and clean them. And, it's a, uh, that's a worthy investment with a crew. If and, you have a crew, uh, you know, I've got a crew. I've got 40, 40 something people at this point that, that pulls everything together between all the different sections. Oh, nice. And, yeah. and, uh, and, uh, it's worth it. One guy takes care of all the sections. He has his daily jobs and his weekly jobs, but, but it's a good investment. But, but then again, we're at that point where we, we need that. The rest you of us are making to. knives. Yeah. The rest of us are making knives. Dust made daily. Yeah. And, and a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so like absolutely in parallel with, with Matt, um, we uh we're we're also increasing efficiency of things and how they go at at Bark River. So <clears throat> there's a there's a there's a term and I don't know if I heard it or maybe I coined it, but I say it a lot and uh, and it's always in an attempt to bring people into the same type of paradigm and that's process in parallel. You get you get earlier steps happening at the same time as later steps. Right. And then we're tooled up to be able to do that. So that's kind of been my goal for the last few months at Bark River. And I've had some and I've had some decent success with it and getting things through. So that means like reassigning tasks when they happen, who does them, how they happen. Right. Hiring the right people to do it. So um, as an example, just to do this, assembly consisted of these tasks. Receive the blades, sort the blades, prep the blades, receive all the parts from engineering. <laughs> I'm not I'm not digging my engineering section by saying this, but it's true. Jank with the parts to make them work. Right. I mean, there's a difference Sep between right. engineering and then practical application. Right. And there's right, always right. going to be that rift between assembly and engineering right. or manufacturing. And, and then also in cut it also also in assembly there was material raw material cutting raw material sorting lining sorting them again for customer getting them over to machining delivering them there and signing the paperwork and getting them back. Um, all of that happened. 
fairly well together. There were people had some assigned tasks, but sometimes because they're all in the same room, you redirect the entire room to get um you to get some further goals out. But while you take them off of their main tasks to help you get the bigger goal out for the day, they're not doing their regular job. Right. So it languishes. Yep. And then it falls behind. So we would have these moments of boom and bust. You know, where it's like where it's like boom Yes, we got out 500 knives in a day and a half, and we just knocked them out, and they looked fairly you know, good. You know what, though, Jim? And, I think that is—I don't mean to interrupt, no, but obviously good, I ahead. do, otherwise I wouldn't have. Uh, <laughs> That's the point of the show, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> That's how this That's works. That's how works. <laughs> um, I, I honestly think that that boom and bust or ebb and flow or whatever uh, colloquialism you want to assign to it, I think that is—it comes with— low to mid-scale knife production we are not k-bar we're not putting ten thousand navy mark ii's out every 45 seconds right you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so they're run like a a manufacturing company uh but as a knife maker Mm -hmm. as uh, the people listening to this show are knife makers i know there's a lot of users and for for you guys who are listening that are, are knife customers this is just a little bit of a peek behind the curtain as to what's going on when you're like, well, I, well, I called him last week. How come my thing's not already on the doorstep? And right. it's like, well, it's a, if, if you have an appreciation for the quality, there is, and I cannot stress this enough. And if I had a visual ticker tape, like a graphic ticker tape, this is not an excuse. This is not a crutch. This is not even a reason. This is just a glimpse into the mindset. Because I tell you what, one of the hardest things that we do as uh especially as custom makers jim mm-hmm. you know this because you have to allocate time to custom make <clears throat> oh yeah in addition to your regular job yep but as custom makers uh it is a thing that can get in your head and it is something that is a constant weight and when you overcome it every day which we have to mm-hmm. it's like okay just maybe just make one knife today man like just get one knife off the list get yeah. headway on that knife oh there's a scratch that's taking me hours to get out of it because uh, I'm looking for this mirror fault uh, mirror polish for a, a money paying customer who's expecting a mirror yeah, polish right it has to be right and I mean you talk to Todd Beck he'll spend two days on a finish oh, you, you know what I mean yeah. and his prices mm-hmm. are commensurate with that level of effort mm-hmm. ours are not because we're still fledgling at you know 10 years which oh, is definitely. crazy yeah you know yeah, it's yeah, unbelievable yeah. so oh, we have to overcome that every day and I think a, a, a wise businessman mixed in a solution of artist it, it's that overcoming that is the kind of reward and that and that is the effort i, I that oh, yeah. is the effort that is the the gift is in the journey i don't oh. know if i if that story makes sense but those of you who get it you'll get it on a pretty deep level oh yeah well there, there's a there's a book series that i read that had uh, there they had like a picture and order of heroes and one of their one of their one of their sayings that was thousands of years old was journey before destination Right, sounds like a biker truism or something. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was a little bit. You yeah. could construe these guys as bikers. Was that Zen but, in the art of motorcycle maintenance? <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was journey before destination, and uh, everything that we're doing kind of is a is is part of the journey because we're enjoying the ride. And but we, but the the number one thing that I enjoy the most is the accomplishment of getting it of getting it done. And that's 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 just me. I'm I'm maybe maybe I'm an accomplishment junkie, you know, at, at that point oh, because I God. fucking. I'm sorry, sorry. Can you bottle swearing. some of that and right and just give me a, just a <laughs> dose of that and just like and just like, just like and the accomplishments that I like to accomplish are are finishing knives and getting them done because nothing nothing gives me as rewarding of a feeling as getting them done. And I'm sure some of you some of you guys out there will know exactly what I'm talking about. Other guys out there will know exactly what Matt's talking about. You know that yeah, that's yeah, what makes this work. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> yeah, right. That's what makes this work. That's the but, dynamic. But to kind of uh, to kind of let me let me circle back. So. um Assembly had all of those jobs, 
right? They did all of those tasks, raw material, cutting, sorting, uh, organizing all that material, lining it, getting it out. Also, now, now notice that one of the tasks that I haven't listed yet is actually assembling the knives. Right. right. You're not even really technically to what uh, the public would perceive as step one. Correct. Right. Correct. That's all just <laughs> right. prep, and it all happened in the same room. So, like, so like, if something wasn't moving as fast as I needed to, my instinct kicks in and I start micromanaging. I'm like, no. Head of assembly, you need to get every single one of your guys on prepping these blades for the next two hours right now, and I'd like them done. Get them over there. And there would be, like, 150 knives, and I feel that's entirely doable. So, because I've been in that situation, and right. I've done the same amount of knives in about the same amount of time. So, so what the problem you have is you end up with uh, with resource management problems, is that you end up languishing in other areas while you're trying to do, you know, you know jump, jump back and forth. And if everybody were to just kind of do their one particular job, nothing moves as fast as it really could. So... So, I mean, you're expecting more dynamic workforce out of... I'm, right, but, I'm but, expecting more results. But that's kind of begging for alphas in every department. Uh, you're like, right. hi, you just walked through the door. I noticed that you don't have a driver's license. I need you to think on your feet. Right, <laughs> right. right. And, that's, and that's it's definitely, we are... That's too, a challenge. We are too big of a company to rely on an alpha in every department as their main job. Right. We need people to just work toward the goals that we set. And so, and so we've started reorganizing things as it comes down to being, to being, okay, we have an overall goal. We have our set ship dates for this week. So to do that, I need all of these subsequent previous goals to be finished by earlier times. Right. So. Cool. It's good to have goals, man. Oh, oh, oh my God. Goals make, like, goals is, make a world of difference. Well, it, they do, <clears throat> but I mean that sarcastically too, okay. I guess in a way, like, it's it's so different going from a staff of 30 plus, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's a pretty accurate number, yeah. right? Under 40, but over 30. Yeah. Somewhere in that sweet spot, ever-changing. Um, to one individual who, I mean, it's Jenna and I. I mean, yeah. it's And yeah, some places it. don't even have the support of their significant other right. as a functioning, not just support, but I mean, as a functioning, mm-hmm. it's, it's two gears. Right. I mean, it Turning is. Turning in parallel. Right? It is yeah. two years. That's right. it. And we're expected to put out a uh, significant throughput, and it is a challenge. And mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. can, I can say to use Jim's term of circling back, to circle back again to clean your shop. I tell you what, you spend 30 minutes cleaning your shop at the end of your shift. I don't care if it's 14 hours, I don't care if it's eight hours. Mm-hmm. You spend a couple minutes cleaning your shop. When you come in tomorrow, you're ready to go. Yeah. And all your stuff is kind of set up. It doesn't even have to be staged. Your work centers have to be clean yeah. because you're going to walk over to it and you're going to make it dirty. Yeah. But it's going to be inviting and you're going to be like, you know what? This grinding room is too bright. Let's make some dust today. You know what I mean? And then when yeah. you sweep that Something floor, kick in. It, yeah. is, it is my daughter, uh, she watches, we've talked about it actually on a philosophical level, which I'm not going to get into mm-hmm. on this podcast, but we've talked about the pros and cons of oddly satisfying videos. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is because it milks this gland of satisfaction, right? So oh, I sure. I guess I am yeah. talking about it now. Uh, but, uh, and, and that, unfortunately, by watching the video, you actually aren't accomplishing anything, but you have this feeling of accomplishment. Right. Sweeping, right. You share in the accomplishment. Sweeping yeah. the grinding room mm-hmm. at the end of a shift, however long it is, is one of the most satisfying tasks in the world because it is a black, iridescent, shimmering mm-hmm. mess. And underneath is that nice, clean epoxy coat floor that we spent 
days laying down and when you sweep it up and it just glides into a giant pile of filings and Mm -hmm. and ceramic dust you feel like hey that was work done so to share your feeling Mm -hmm. of accomplishment i mean that's a big part of it well that's that's a that's a what's what's the word that's what's the word it's a it's a verification Mm -hmm. you know you know it's a it's a uh, all my all my my vocabulary (laughs) is leaving me totally leaving me but but it's like but it's like a you get to you get to kind of like revel in it right it's like after you make the cash you get to lay in the bed of money you know (laughs) i've done that not not during knife making but i have done that yeah so uh, yeah so Literally, I've done that. <laughs> Cash angels. It's kind of fun. Uh, <laughs> true story. Yeah. Um, <coughs> Jenna's done it. We've, yeah, that's, uh, yep. Uh, anyways. Uh, <laughs> so, so circling back, I want to, uh, I want to, I want to talk about what we did in the in the resolution that we had Go ahead. for that whole thing. So, so we had assembly doing all these tasks. We decided to take over a part of the machine shop. And slowly start moving equipment and people over to the machine shop to do just prep work. Oh, okay. So the prep work consists of, again, it's cutting material, lining material, making sure that it's flat, um, splitting and flattening the wood material, um, and uh, and organizing all of that. Also, uh, it's blade prep, so that's taking the surface grind finish that we get on the blades off and, leaving and putting like a 600 grit sur- uh, surface finish mm-hmm. in the important areas of the knife. And uh, and uh, drilling any blades that need to be opened up for specialty pins, like like mosaics, mosaics right? Like mosaics or hollows. Hollows we typically bump up the next size too. Because your corbies so, are shouldered, right? So yeah, I mean, yeah. you have a, a a head that is of a wider diameter than the threaded than the pilot. shank, right? Yeah. yeah, than the shank. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's a five sixteenths to quarter inch typically. So there will be quarter inch holes in the blade. We can't use quarter inch pins on the specialty knives because then the pins look smaller noticeably and then people question that gotcha so i mean we found that out the hard way a number of times why are my pins smaller it's like well because we're lazy (laughs) no No. so so we stopped doing that in the hole because they fit in there (laughs) how about that yeah (laughs) no so uh we started doing that so um back to the process and parallel thing we've got an entire section that is that is that that is apparent to the next section. So as soon as the material is done being cut and lined and sorted, it gets walked ten feet to the table, and it's ready. There you go. And then, and then, and then, anytime that anything gets picked up, like oh, this also this also applies to finished handles from the CNC machines too. So they'll pick up the finished handles that are already sorted because they were sorted before. The machine shop keeps them in the same boxes. They prep the handles there, and then so all of all that they're delivering to assembly. To the assemblers in assembly are finished parts ready for, them for assembly. To just assemble RTA, we call that, it, yeah. right? That's that's the only thing that I want assembly doing is assembling knives. There you go, and yeah, and right? I think that's workflow. I think you're touching mm-hmm. on workflow now for, sure. for the garage guy, whether you're the hobbyist or a professional custom maker that is just working in his garage by himself while your lady comes out and yells at you that it's time for dinner. Yeah, it's a little bit um, more difficult when you're just wearing all the hats yourself. It yeah. is, but mm-hmm. it's still important because your station workflow can reflect that mm-hmm. same philosophy. Yep. So you can... Did I just see something pop up on the screen? Something... No, no, I think it just shifted. Oh, okay. Yeah, there was a uh, timeline shift. That's because we've been waxing lyrical. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, but you can set up your stations. Where do you get your steel in? Where does a UPS driver drop your steel off? Right, Where, you can, right. You can set up. You can set up a, a station like the like the tube thing that you've got downstairs that holds all your bar stock. Right. You know, you can set that up right by your door. And your chop so, saw is right by it. Right. Or exactly. your bandsaw or yep. whatever it is that you use, and then from there it goes to whatever surface conditioning. Excuse me. <coughs> mm-hmm. It needs to. 
But then there's your surface plate for doing your layout and your height gauge for doing your bevel heights and all that Just stuff. Just everything and right there. In every, one spot. Everything mm-hmm. should kind of flow so that if you can imagine walking in your shop from one door with a bar of steel mm-hmm. and then walking back to the mailbox, maybe even through that same door sure. with a finished knife. But in one contiguous path. Exactly. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. that is so, I mean, there are a lot of ways that we can kind of replicate the big dogs by uh, by just being smart about our workflow, mm-hmm. which Jim just illustrated with saying they walk 10 feet to their next day. Now, this is a pretty right. big facility, so 10 feet to you feels like a country mile yep. because your garage is only 21 so, feet so wide. before, they had to walk it from assembly through box, through through cardboard boxes and sheath storage, through etching machining, down the tunnel. And that's exposure shop. to damage, too. Uh, absolutely. Right? I mean, especially if you're carrying, like, uh, expensive acrylics. Like, a DLT supplies us with acrylics. We don't know where they get them from. Um, also, I haven't asked. So, <laughs> so, but if you drop one, they shatter. Ooh. And, yeah. and they're beautiful by the time they're done. I mean, they look right. like abalone. I mean, they're beautiful, beautiful stuff. But if you drop one, it's gone. Yeah. It's so, gone. So so, so you're immediately eliminating that whole thing. That's right. And just by reducing the logistics and time, because your turnaround time's faster, that guy is five minutes sooner back to his station. Every revolution so, of task. So if I were to if I were to speculate, though, on the, the single guy in his garage, so not only just like absolutely do the one contiguous line that Matt said, but think about what your production is. Like, are you starting to experiment with water jet blades? So what are you going to do in the four weeks till you get them? You know, and, right. and then, and then plan that. Yes. And then, and then have some, have some Ideally foresight. you should be finishing the last batch of water jet blades sure. while your new <clears throat> blades are cooking. Right. Let's say that you've made. Is that an example of process of oh, parallel? Absolutely. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, 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 so that stuff is happening. At the same time that you're doing something else. Yes. So so um, Matt and I talked about this forever ago when I had the idea to coin this. I don't even know if I coined it, but but it's a, but it's a paradigm, and it's 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 like it's like a sociology teacher where they come in and they tell you everything that you already know. They just put terms to it. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> and so that's kind of how I feel right now. You guys already know what I'm talking about, and and because uh, it makes sense. So but like but like if you get 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 a hundred knives water jet. And you're just tooling up. So, I think a tank just drove by. Did you hear that? It was about an it was about an Abrams. Okay, yeah, <laughs> forty three miles an hour. About they have a certain wiggle. No, um. So so let's say that you, the first money that you put down, in your new knife venture project is one hundred water jet blades. You've already called your water jet guy. You've already bought your steel. You had a drop ship to him. You've already drawn up your CAD. You sent it off. He's going to tell you it's going to take three weeks to do it. So in that time, you know that you can tool up for the rest of your shop. All right, you do that. You spend the four weeks doing that, and you get your blades in. You make the first two batches of blades that are whatever size they are. Oh, can, right? Hank, can you can you keep this thought if I interrupt you? Uh, I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. From your water jet guy, you should have received a sample to prove out the part. Oh, yeah. From no, that's huge. that yeah, sample, mm-hmm. you can fit scales. Yep. There should be a level of consistency. Well, I mean, like... Well, if you're water jetting it, yeah, there's a consistency. Right. So there so, should be a level of consistency mm-hmm. that you can actually fit scales to that pattern. Now, I'm not saying full profile them, but get them close. You Otherwise, can get holes. Oh, no, so you don't need to full profile them. You need to get the holes. The in holes. Them. The holes. The, the show side and the obverse handle holes and slabs stacked and paired and faced and faced right. while you're waiting absolutely so now you've got so, a few days worth of work just doing that right. you know what i mean you've right. eaten that up right and absolutely do okay so so what i'm leading to though is that you you deliver your first two batches of knives you get them done to your customers or let's say you get a distributor or however however you're selling them and you get paid for those knives at that point instead of sitting on the money if you can afford it because i know that it's it's all subjective it's about what the needs are but if you can 
buy more steel and send it to your water jet guy and do another knife. There you go. At that exact time, the second you get the first two batches done. And then while you're waiting the next three weeks for those, you've got the rest of those, you've got the rest of that original batch to do. Your machine is starting. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. Yeah, your machine is starting. You want to try to revolve that as much as possible. Now that manifests in so many different ways. But if you can get somebody to help you come in and cut your pins, get your handle material table sawed and squared off, yeah, get to, you know, you know, um, sharpen your drill bits for you, right. you know, you know, just like try to identify all of the small time suck things that you need to do that need to be done. Genuinely, they need to be done that the small time suck things to get it done for you so you can continue to, so you're the main driving force can continue to drive the force and don't get discouraged right? when it's not moving like a, a Swiss watch on week two, because to be honest, as soon mm-hmm. as you hit that, like my, one of my bikes has got a run start or start stop yeah. switch or whatever. But when you start up a motorcycle, it does not turn the engine over at the same rhythm that it does when it's warmed up. Right. But it is spinning. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is turning. So yes. so don't be discouraged if this isn't going perfectly the first time you guys try it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it will get that right. boom and then and then you get that lope and you are just cruising. Right. So uh, uh so, yeah, absolutely. And you're going to have you're going to have boom and busts like that considering you're just you and and help is going to be spotty here and there. Um, but absolutely try to keep it revolving as much as you, as much as you possibly can. I mean, um, your main job should be making knives, not God willing, not chamfering pins, not, you know, not, right. Not, you know, spending, spending a bunch of time, um, spending a bunch of time, just heat, you know, spending three or four days just doing nothing but heat treating the hundred, the hundred knives. Um, don't be afraid to go get a heat treater, you know, and just have it like your own little, little blade pipeline. Or if you're doing it just on your own and you are heat treating your own knives, I guarantee you there are ways that you can save time by doing more parallel processes or have somebody coming in and helping and helping behind you or just setting yourself up in that contiguous line yes. of efficiency just to get out. Just be like just just be like, okay, I've got all the blades to this stage and I'm going to grind all of them over the course of the next day, but I'm going to grind them all the way through to finish. And I'm going to try to capitalize on my time. And it's fun. It's fun right? to and refine your, it's fun yep. to refine your process. It You're, was, it was fun yeah. to learn plunges. It's fun to learn mm-hmm. mirror finishes. It's fun <clears throat> to learn jimping, cutting with a checkering file. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and this, uh, I say fun, super euphemistic, by the way. <laughs> um, but this uh-huh. is just another one of those examples of this is a skill that you need to learn. But I yep. feel like this mm-hmm. segment is, is going way off the rails. Uh, it's deceptive because we had the prior segment and it's still in the timeline. Oh, okay. So, so we're, we're about a 20 ish minutes right oh, okay so yeah, yeah. totally tolerable okay. Okay. either way <laughs> i do think jim do you have anything else that you want to tack on the end of that um not really just think about think about what you are doing that's not knife making and try to either eliminate that step or reduce the time on it there you go you know before before you before you jump in yep. because it's really really easy and matt knows this too i know this just as well it's really, really easy to get sucked into the details. They're important oh, details. God. They need to happen. But but you just wasted Monday and Tuesday of this week that you need to make some money on doing nothing. Yep. yep essentially. Yep, yep. You, didn't, you didn't make any knives. True story. Yeah. So no, just, no, be, and then, yeah, that's, just be, be aware of that and try to avoid it. So by 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 being proactive, not not by being like the hermit in the basement, but be proactive <laughs> right. about it and set yourself up for success. Yeah, confront it. Don't hide from it. Correct. All right. Well, uh, anyways, hope you makers, uh, garage and uh, commercial shop alike, were able to at least find one little tasty nugget out of there. 
Um, we will be back on a lighter note and less clinical note with <laughs> your Q and A. See you, cats. You're not. We're not going to see you. You guys are going to hear us. Hear us <laughs> in a couple of minutes. I think we've touched on this before, but I think it's worth mentioning again. Jim, uh, do you have any special rituals that you go through when you get a new knife? The number one thing that I like doing first is I like opening any sort of packaging that's superfluous to the knife with the knife. Or the maiden cut. With the maiden cut. Oh, yes. And I want to I wanna, I wanna feel that glide through that plastic. I Absolutely. Wanna, I want to feel that. And it can be kind of disappointing, mm-hmm. especially if you get something on the used market where you go to do that and it kind of feels like you're trying to put the eraser side of a pencil through a tarp. <laughs> I feel like I'm trying to reenact the space folding with the paper and the right. pencil Very that's Stephen been in Hawking's every sci-fi movie. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> and this is the concept of parallel universes. <laughs> One of the first things I like to do once I get a knife that I know is going to see rotation and that is not something that is just going to be a wall hanger this is a tool that i am going to use on the daily is i establish a perfect and when i say razor sharp i'm not being i'm going to use this word twice today hyperbolic i'm not being uh, what's the word for this? Uh, Hi- no, hyperbolic is the word. Okay, so yeah. we're just yeah, sticking yeah, with that. Word, I'm not yeah. being hyperbolic. No. I am telling you that I am going to put a razor's edge capable of shaving this face, which is kind of like asphalt and leather. Uh, and the only way that I do that is at home, sitting in front of the TV with my KME guided sharpening system, and I will and I will reprofile and establish that bevel until it's a mirror polish. I can't guarantee that I'm going to use the KME every time for touch-ups, but I can tell you that the trueness of that edge allows me to lay it flat on a ceramic stone when I'm in a bind and just need to fix a burr because I got ridiculous with some wire somewhere or something like that. So even if not used, which it makes a very capable maintenance tool, but regardless, being able to establish that initial bevel grind with your KME sharpening system means your maintenance after that day forward is going to be so much easier. So let's stack on top the customer service. Let's stack on top made in the USA. Let's stack on top all the features and applications and attachments you can get for your system. Even just being able to bring your new knife to the sharpest potential that it can achieve and being able to maintain it and keep that sharpness is worth its weight in gold. So I recommend you go check out our friends at KMESharp.com. Please be sure to tell them Behind the Blade sent you. And we are back for, uh, I mean, you guys have heard this a million times, well, at least 43 times over, 44 times over. This is our favorite segment. It's uh, lighthearted, it's fun, and uh, I'm usually about four beers in by the time I get to it. So let's kick <laughs> off the Q&A segment of this episode. These are questions that we put up on our uh, on the business page on Facebook. When we remember to post yep. the question Facebook. box. Facebook.com <laughs> slash Behind the Blade podcast. If you haven't liked us, you absolutely should. Don't forget to join our Behind the Blade Trench Crew group where we have uh, live discussions. Matt and I are both admins there, so we see everything. everything. When we check it. When we look. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I would like to give one quick shout out since all you guys are listening to see if we're going to read your question or not. Uh, Mr. Tyler Schmelling himself is responsible for the velvety tones you're hearing this episode. You may have noticed that my voice quality hasn't improved. 
Uh, that's not because I've been doing vocal exercises, but because we got an upgraded microphone from one of you guys. So thank you, Tyler, so very much. I hope it makes the listening experience all the more enjoyable. Now let's return to the show. And oh. we're back. All right, and we're from back. That, from yeah. <laughs> that impromptu thing. All right. So number one, Mr. Mike Amsh, favorite music. Jim, I'll let you go. All right. I'm a huge Clutch fan. Of like, course. Like that goes without like without saying to me. It's like, oh, I feel like listening to music. What am I going to listen to? Oh, I know. We're going to listen to a random Clutch album. And, and what genre <clears throat> would you, are you, other than just uh, borderline psychedelic rock and roll yeah, with a it's, weird it's, political it's, spin. Like it's its, it's, it's, it's got own a, genre. It's got a political spin to it, which... Which I could go either way, but I could, but I appreciate it for what it is. Um, but it's more like you should be a politician. Yeah, <laughs> with that kind of an answer, <laughs> right. I've been listening to politics Ooh, too what much. What did he just say? It's like what? We don't. I think it was good. Yeah. I don't. I'll vote it's kind for of him a anyway. Backhanded affirmation. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but a clutch is like blues rock. Yeah, I'll give it some bluesy notes. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, I mean, like all my favorite songs by them are all bluesy. There like you go. Very yeah. like not not necessarily like depressing bluesy. Do you, do you know why like, it's so bluesy? Why is that? Because the world is effing sad. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of subject matter to right. cover. <laughs> so, oh yeah, yeah. Oh. Part of that, yeah, I got people messaging me too. Oh, yep. Gabriel Sanchez, welcome to the show. Uh, would you? <laughs> you're uh, hold on. I'm, yeah. I'm hold on. Hold on. Hold okay, on, hang on. This, this is good radio right here. Tell yep, people. it is. We're uh, we're live busy right now. Right now, but. Give me a second, and I'll reply in G- kind, good sir. Back to that politician thing. You are welcome you- for that segment, right? That was a little bonus. <laughs> nice to see you, Gabriel. Uh, see, I hope you, I hope you posted a question. We'll I hope you listen to, to the show. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, um, so, yeah, uh, so, 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 clutch is good for me. We um, listen to clutch daily in the shop. Oh yeah, yeah all the time, all yeah. the time. There's something that's always there. Um. I've I don't even I don't know if I actually like it or if I just like it sarcastically, but I've been listening to a lot of uh, of Viking metal, so that's uh, that's Amana Marth. Oh yeah, I've listened uh, to that. A, a it's lot been of that. about fifteen years since I listened and, to them, but yeah. And some yeah. of their some of their stuff's pretty good. You're just like just like oh, I took his sword and rammed it through his throat, and I watched his body fall. I'm like okay, I can I can relate to this. I want to do this too. I'm a Mexican <laughs> Jew. I don't know that there's any <laughs> genre of music that is less relatable to me mm-hmm. than Scandinavian death metal. <laughs> 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 there are not nearly right. enough mangs in there like, with an ng <laughs> referring to a man uh yeah right i, I mean it, it's cool and everything jenna's a huge metal my wife mm-hmm. she's a huge metal fan um but i am i am like <laughs> goth and punk rock yeah like that's pretty much what mm-hmm. i enjoy i like blitz Blitz, I like yeah. uh, Bauhaus. I like uh, mm-hmm. I even like Typo Negative. I think they're kind of satirical, but I love them a lot because of their <laughs> funny and intense, which I fancy myself mm-hmm. as the same. Right. Uh, and of course, Clutch. And yep. uh, oh, speaking of Clutch, they're releasing um, some other like summer songs, like brand new brand new stuff this summer. I have not heard and, Psychic Warfare yet. Oh, that's, that's my favorite album by them. Is it really? It is. I'm probably like like the Clutch fans, and they're like, boo, why? Yeah. But but um, you're looking but, at one. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, <laughs> I I liked Psychic Warfare a lot. There's, I, there's that a lot one, of good is songs. that the one with 50,000 unstoppable watts? No. What is that? That, I think, sounds like... Wasn't... That Anthrax, wa- that wasn't, ham that, radio, and liquor. <laughs> that, 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 wasn't, that wasn't Earth Rocker. No, Earth no, Rocker. Earth, Earth, Earth Rocker, they should have just ripped that up and thrown it away. Yeah, yeah, so, Earth, I mean, Earth, yeah Earth no. Rocker, was, there was a couple good songs on there, but... but yeah, like, oh, I mean, a couple, that's it. A couple, yeah. Yeah, yeah Book yeah, Silent Go. It was, and, it, was, yeah. it, was the, it was the album before that. No, that uh, we're getting into a music for, discussion. For 50, Thanks all right, a lot, so Mike. anyway, all right, so, yeah, we'll, but anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll it's, hash it's, this it's, out it's, afterwards. Okay. Yeah, right, the we'll, battle royale. We'll, we'll fucking. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Well, 
Strike that from the we'll, record. We'll find out. Okay. We'll Sounds find good. out. Okay, so next Another next half question. word. Yeah. Thank, <laughs> find. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Mike. Justin oh. Medley. Favorite and least favorite steel to work with? Least favorite for me would be uh, probably M probably M four. Oh, I haven't even gotten that far into the, my worst catalog. Like I haven't. I'm like no, no, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, I uh, I couldn't polish K three ninety well, but it ground and shaped for K3 me. K three ninety sounds like a star, right? It's like M three ninety, but it's even better. Oh, you're right. Of course, yeah, yeah it's more advanced than the alphabet, <laughs> right? M um, four for me is always just a giant pain in the butt because because it's extremely abrasion resistant. It's extremely right. tough. It holds its edge forever, it's a, and and it holds its edge forever because it's extremely abrasion resistant. But it's difficult to work with, right? So you have to spend more time on the belt, more time generating unnecessary heat. If you have to, you have to dip more often. To, just to get a good finish on there, and it's tough to get a good finish on because it's so abrasion resistant. I love how it performs. Once you get once once you get it to shape, I wish you, you guys it, could hear my eyes rolling right now. <laughs> I am so fed up with Super Steel BS. <laughs> and let me just so, put this in so, context. Okay. We have we have uh, hundreds. Uh-huh. We have literally, and not like in the millennial sense of literally, where they mean hyperbolically. I mean, <laughs> we have literally uh-huh. hundreds of EOD dig knives uh-huh. in the field, purchased by units uh-huh. and fielded and used uh-huh. out of, hang on to your hats, guys. Now, when I say dig knife, I mean like a, a an actual intended digging, prying, cutting, sawing tool. Now... Uh, nobody's going to believe me because it's not M9, <laughs> <laughs> they were made from ATS-34. Yeah. And out of those hundreds, we have had exactly one come back to us mm-hmm. with an issue, and that was because of carbon banding. We took it to a metallurgist. Mm-hmm. He sliced it and put it in a little resin puck and looked at it <laughs> un- looked at it under a stereoscope, and he goes, a carbon band lined up with a 120 grit scratch and there was no way because the guy who did mm-hmm. it was a he was my size he was like 5 6 130 pounds and he put this uh knife in the nose well of an 81 millimeter mortar mm-hmm. just to pry it out of some mud just to pop it out and he said that he fell over backwards because he was ready to exert force and no force was exerted to this knife so it was right. an anomaly in the steel right. it was it yep. was like it was like if he were to grab it he would have broken it in half with his thumbs right so right. it was just a freak occurrence out of hundreds i've actually never had that happen regardless of dig knife or not on any knife ever since or before but those were ats 34 Mm -hmm. so don't tell me that it's absolutely critical that we have to use the most expensive (laughs) impossible to grind cost the consumer a fortune because we burn through belts like it's going out of style like you and it is so yeah yeah, so i mean so that's your least favorite steel so no my least favorite steel is 3v that's the top of the super steel food chain that we work Uh, with and i like 3v knives mm -hmm. i put some stock into it but the reality is as a human being using a knife in any regular irregular capacity even look rambo used four 40c mm-hmm. need i say more mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's yep. the truth yep there and, it is and thousands <laughs> tens of thousands of joes have been using 1095 oh yeah for decades and they, they still do they're they close to do. a century now yep. yeah mm-hmm. and it's and the 1095 is a great steel too my favorite steel to work with um is probably cpm 154 my favorite steel to work with. i can see all that. right all right i don't work a lot now let me put this in perspective right i don't work a lot with 1095 1084 5200 5160 6150 i don't i don't work with those steels at all so like so like for me, CPM one fifty four 
um, hits that perfect balance between strength, toughness, and edge resistance, or uh, edge abrasiveness. Edge uh, abrasion. Uh, uh, wear resistance. Wear resistance. Wear resistance. That, that's yeah. what I, that, yeah, yep. my brain was in the right spot. That yep. just, you know, filtered out of my words, my mouth wrong. The words filtered out of Jim my mouth wrong. Jim is not as many beers in as is, I am, by the way. So let's is, just clear that up right. That was an actual cerebral glitch, actually, not inebriation. It, I was, I was going to ask if the left side of my face was drooping. <laughs> you smell burning it, toast? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? <laughs> so so uh, that's probably my favorite steel to work with. Um, Matt's had the same experience. It mirrors up like a dream. Yep. And, it, and it, like, like super easy, too. I mean, like, like uh, almost... It's easier. Give me some tips then, because it's okay. not super easy when I do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I burn up three or four two thousand grit belts. I don't know. Maybe it's all the hand rubbing time that I'm spending. Up yeah, because I didn't hand rub, so I, I counter polish. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be mm-hmm. like, I'll go up to six hundred, and then I I cross scratch to mm-hmm. one thousand, yeah. and then I go twelve hundred. 2K finish 2K because that's the same direction that my buffer is going to sure. spin. Yeah, those yeah. those uh, vertical scratches so are perpendicular to the spine. Yeah. yeah, and that, mm-hmm. that kind of smears everything together. So that's how I get uh, my mirror finish. But, but it is a lot. I mean, you no. will not mirror polish 3V. I'm oh, no. sorry. You just won't. No, no, not post heat treat, at least. No, 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 no. You, can't, you, can't, you can't do it. Uh, Pre heat treat, you probably have a better chance. And I just want to say that my mirror polish isn't anywhere close to as nice as Matt's. So. <laughs> and mine isn't anywhere as close to Thad Buchanan's or Zach Buchanan's, Zach I should Buchanan. say, his son. Yeah, Zach. <laughs> Zach's the man right now. Or gotcha. Steve Johnson or any of those guys but right someday we, we, we do a pretty good job imitating it and well and here's uh so uh uh-huh. justin just to also kind of give you a little uh fortune cookie at the end of your steel meal um there is something to be said about a steel that performs well and and underscores finishes well mm-hmm. because you can have the most super steel from a guy who isn't that into finishing, and at the end of the day, you're not going to have any more practically superior knife. You're just going to have an uglier one. So why not go with something that pushes the limits of human performance? And and I'm not crapping on any steels. I, I mean, I no, am. of course not. Actually, I, no, I am because I you? think it's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> they're hard to sharpen. They're hard to use. I mean, they're hard to finish. But for me, it's important to have a good presentation in these knives also and a good surface finish. And I'm a hypocrite. We all are. We're human beings. I put out three V knives. They're hard to finish. They come out mediocre in my eyes as far as finish goes. But there is something about having a well-finished knife and you're going to get that out of that cpm 154 or that ats 34 which we can't get anymore and even once in a while mm-hmm. when the stars align when the planets align we'll get it out of 154 cm like a good 154 cm finish. does a pretty good job too it finishes yeah. really well it doesn't yeah. mirror polish mm-hmm. reliably it right. can orange peel really easily depending yep. on the heat lot and that right. has nothing to do with performance it just has to do with the service finish of the knife so right we're uh, kind of at the mercy of the mill at yeah, that point. unfortunately so, yeah and unfortunately, I, I found yeah. that the crucible process mm-hmm. the powdered metallurgy you get a more consistent finish oh, out absolutely. of the cpm 154 yeah. even though metallurgically it's the same yep um, yep it's so. just it's just the spray form yep. yeah that's yep. the only difference yep yeah and exactly. i think the nitrogen chamber that, it, that they do it in yeah 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 for sure so uh moving on monsieur caleb foster do we do this in a french as, accent as a, no? <laughs> as a proud owner of as a, a proud owner of a grand. no no yeah, okay, the sorry. answer is no okay so yeah. <laughs> um my question is is there any better small knife out there uh, I hope you sense the sarcasm. I was hoping you would be genuine, and my genuine answer would be probably hundreds. <laughs> I don't know. I love my grunt. I use it. Uh, so, so I've got I've got the knife you gave me, and the grunt, and yeah. my and my ultralight bushcrafter in my EDC rotation, like, yeah. and they go back and forth, honored all day. 
And uh, and so those are my th- favorite three small knives. Every knife that I actually use daily is a fixed blade. I don't do folders. Oh, I didn't bring like... the knife you gave me today. That's dumb. <laughs> like, we're doing a podcast. I should be talking about that. I got a Marauder Companion in full mirror polish with a nice, big, fatty 3 eighths guard solder joint, black canvas micarta, which actually came out looking like obsidian. You did a really good job I, yeah, on the handle. Thank that was you. A, that, I appreciate that. That's a good batch of micarta, too. I'm going nice. to give you that because they don't always come out. Sometimes there's like a band of like layer you, color or something in I that. I mean, it, yeah. it just came together yeah, just that right. One, yeah, that just one turned right. out like black as night. Like double black yeah. canvas. Yeah, I yeah. mean. It is seriously like, yeah, looking up at the sky. Uh, yeah, um, I know, I dig it. After the sun goes down, of course. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be like a periwinkle blue or something like that. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah. yeah, gorgeous knife. Thank and you. I, well, I think I posted a picture, and if you guys mm-hmm. want to see it, um, I had just very coincidental nice lighting, and I threw a picture up in the BRK Custom Shop. That's Bark River Knives Custom Shop, and that's a group on Facebook. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yep. Okay, yeah. So search that and check it out, and you'll be able yep. to see the knife. Amazing hologram laser beam. Nice, nice polish on it, actually. By the way, thank you. I appreciate um, that yeah, coming I, from you. That's cool. Yeah. I, I have spent a lot of time on knives and put them out not that nice, just because I was exhausted you're from just, working. I'm like, this is done. as good as this knife is yeah. going to get. So yeah, no, I've, no, I've, great I've done that. I've yeah, done that. Great too. finish. All right. All right. So uh, second on a serious uh, serious question, uh, Caleb Foster, Jim, what do you got there? Um, Matt, Jim, I love the show. Listen to all of them in my work truck. Jim, as you know, I love the historical knives that Bark River does. What's in the pipeline as far as historical patterns go, Bowie's hunting knives, etc. So the most historical inspired knife that we've got right now is our new Trail Mate 2 that's coming up. So if you can picture an old Blackjack Model 5 blade, eighth inch thick with a Manitou handle. Hmm. Okay. That's, yeah, that that's, sounds pretty hot. Yeah, that's going to be pretty cool. It's probably our most traditional blade. Then, then of course, uh, uh, Mr. Matt Martin here from Vehement Knives and Bark River are getting together to do the Quartermaster, which is a reproduction and a reinterpretation of the 225Q. Yes, sir. Theater knife. Yep. The Cataragus 225Q. Yep. Quartermaster knife. Yep. And and it is going to be fantastic. So that's here's hoping, right? Right. <laughs> Right. I put the lines on the paper. Right. Let's see if it makes sense as a knife. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes you draw and you're like, as a drawing, this is amazing. And then you make it right to spec, right to dimension, right, accurate exactly. within 3,000. You can put it directly on the blueprint and it's fine. Yep. And, and then you and then you don't like it. This is a dumb knife. Yep. Yeah. No, I think yeah. it's going to be a fun knife. So I think it's going to come out really well. I, I, I also like it. I think it's going to be great. As far as Bowie's go, we are doing, um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but last year about this time, we did a quick shot in the arm, kind of like a 29 run, 29 29 quantity run of the Highwayman Bowie 3. We cut them out of superfluous Shining Mountain Bowie blades. <laughs> so we had extra Shining Mountain Bowies. So I uh, I put nose of the grindstone, came up with a pattern. Dad liked it. We cranked them out. We used um, some existing parts. And then boom, came the Highwayman Bowie 3. We're doing 400 of them now. Oh, nice. So imagine how many you could have done if you actually put the blank to the grindstone instead of your nose. Is that why I can't smell anything? Is that a dad joke? I think that qualifies as <laughs> a dad joke. That was actually that's the first time joke. I caught myself and I was like, Matt, that's not funny. <laughs> I'm sure many stinkers have flown under my radar, uh-huh. but that must have been pretty bad. That tipped the needle. Right. I was like, that that's, that's not a funny joke. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. the Geiger counter went zzzz yeah, on that I, one. I would almost, yeah. Yeah, I would almost yeah, retract sure. that one if we could. So um, um, that's what we've got. We've also got our normal line um, sporadically coming out. Um, as an homage to Loveless, this, um, not this week, but mid next week we should be into the sandstorms oh sweet oh that's exciting yes yeah. no Any... i'm super super excited about that that is a that is a reproduction you of, guys doing uh, aluminum guards on those we are doing aluminum guards on those with sub hilts and we're doing blackout guards oh my carter guards oh that so, sounds pretty cool okay. so yep yep uh engineering is not happy with with uh with me me and my father and uh and our chief engineer right now or not chief engineer 
um, our, our shop foreman right now, Skittles. We made them redo all of the guards. <laughs> that S be happening. Uh, yeah. Sometimes that happens because because some uh, some assumptions were made without full communication. And this is going back to that shop efficiency thing that we were talking about earlier. You know what happens when you make an uh, assumption, Jim? You make an ass out of you and umption. Right. <laughs> is that another dad joke? Maybe I'm just maybe, like... Maybe. I'm not on fire tonight. That's okay. We'll keep it's, going. Let's get some new that, content. That's a dad joke. Okay. Jerome Pagano. Matt and Jim, it's great to have this podcast listen to the shop in spite of the lack of actual humor. Thanks for your efforts. <laughs> what is the last knife you made for yourself? When was it? Also, when is the next time you will make one for yourself? Jerome, Ooh. I think you have the last knife I made for myself. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I think the last knife I made for myself was a grunt. Ooh, and yeah. I traded it to Jerome uh, at... Graywood Designs. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm getting that right. Jerome is not just an Aero Fletcher, but a world champion Aero Fletcher. Sorry, I got so excited my headphones hit the microphone. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I'm trying to think. Have I made myself a knife? No. Well, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What about the you had? Uh, you were talking to me about like how to how to do the dovetail segments and that knife. It was the it was the knife that you had tested. That was okay. On, that yes. You said that you were making for yourself. I, you know what yep. I did, mm-hmm. but I, okay. So one caveat to this, and it, it does have a caveat is it was made from a blank. So I was able mm-hmm. to get my hands on, thanks to my esteemed colleague here who has uh, access to such things. It's and my just, pleasure. Good he sir. discovered yeah. a blank of an old AKC A2, uh, forest two knife. So it's kind of like a, I had uh, to get it through the checkpoint. I actually formed the body of it into the chassis of the car that I drove. I am so glad that this didn't go Pulp Fiction watch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. Because I didn't cook it. There's still pathogens on it. And he hid it in the only place that he could hide it. Right, carried this uncomfortable hunk of metal. I love Um, that movie. But anyways, uh, yeah, so I guess that is true. I would say that is probably the last knife that I made for myself, although it was somewhat of a kit. Um, mm-hmm. I experimented with a jigged Scandi grind and I experimented with some dovetailing on an AKC Force 2, uh, similar to the Morris Kahansky mm-hmm. um, prescribed knife in the uh, bushcraft. It was which, hot. Yeah, it it came, was, I was really it was, happy with it. You should. It was, was really nice. Yeah. Um, do, do, do. So, um, mm, all right. Yeah, so, when's the next time you will make one for yourself? You know, Jerome, imagine that you're a prostitute <laughs> and you just don't give it away for free. <laughs> so every time uh-huh. I make a knife for myself, that is an electric bill that's not getting paid. So <laughs> I, um, yeah, so I, I really don't make many knives for myself. Although there are moments when I'm like, I really want to, I would like to keep this knife and I'll make this guy another knife. But I, I live hard and fast by a philosophy that always send out your best work because there's no better business card than, than having a knife that you would want for yourself mm-hmm. and getting that out to the public to a customer who's mm-hmm. been waiting for it or who want it or who wants it whatever yeah so yeah i would say that's about it yeah. the 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 last knife that i made for myself i ended up um giving to auction to help a friend out oh there you go with something and i ended up getting most of the money out of that nice and um that was that uh that was that it was actually um a blackjack 125 blank Ooh. that i had turned into like a double ground harpoon thing. There's a like, lot of meat on a blackjack 125. Uh, right, right. You're like, watch this. I yeah. turned it into an entirely different knife, That's and cool. I and I put, gave it some black leather with a with a with a with a with an aluminum pommel with a recessed nut, 
and uh, I believe that Joel Hilbert was the guy who won the Oh, auction. Joel, yeah, he's and, a big supporter of ours, too. And, yeah, and he's How's a super, going, cool, he's super yeah. cool guy. And, yeah, I mean, uh, that guy's a huge supporter of the knife community altogether. Yeah, you know, just altogether. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And so, so, so he won that, and he went and and it went out. And I, now I don't have a, I haven't made a knife for myself in a while yet. There you go. <laughs> uh, you know what though? So, I I do want to do. Is yeah. My plan this year at Blade was to buy a Loveless Drop Hunter. Yeah, that was definitely my plan. Yeah. Um, and I realized it's just. I mean, you want to talk about lack of prudence? That that <laughs> would be just. Mike Snowdy level lack of prudence. You know what I mean? And so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a lot. <laughs> I'm just using it as a place marker, guys. I'm, Calm down. Uh, I, anyway, I, but, I'm, I'm not going to say anything. So <laughs> I do, however, at some point want to make myself a dropped hunter. Yeah. Uh, like because a spec dropped the hunter, odds yeah. of me passing up a machine tool or passing up raw material or brakes on my jeep which i have to take in tomorrow or a uh, <laughs> new hood for jenna's car uh just to buy myself a three thousand or four thousand or six thousand dollar belt mm-hmm. knife um those are pretty low i don't think i'm there yet i, I splurged on a wilton vice this week i used one off ebay for a fraction of the price but uh that's about the limit of my extravagance so i do think at some point in the near future i am going to sit down and make uh I would like to say one for one, but honestly, it probably won't be. I'll probably stylize it and make it my own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I probably will make myself a, a drop hunter or, or a Lawndale style utility. For uh, sure. Something like that. A belt knife uh, in the loveless vein executed to the best of my ability mm-hmm. and maybe embellished a little heavy. Yeah. Um, so that I can have something to show people like uh, an, uh, a, we'll call it an upper limit of my ability. Right. As a, as a sure. business card. To for show. sure. Yeah. That's that's something that I'm kind of doing with uh, with my I'm, I plan on reproducing. Like I've got like an unwritten list of knives that I want to reproduce, right. like as best I can. Oh, dude, I do too. Right. I, have, I actually right. have it on my computer. Like the top right. ten knives, like a Gerber Mark II, yep. is on there. Yeah, I've got like um, like I, like I want to do a Big Bear. Like at some point, I want to do a Big Bear, yep. and uh, I want to do uh, those are fun. Do, like a like a I want to do like the, the traditional Loveless shoot knife. Yep. I want. I, I I'm in the middle a, of two shoot right. knives right now. Actually. Oh, there you go, yeah, man. No. Yeah, I want to do a New York. Special. I have a pattern, by the way. Oh, oh <laughs> I'm all over that. Okay, yeah. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, and uh, and uh, I can't remember where I was going with this, but there was a litany of other stuff that I just like knives that you want to make for yourself, knives that I want to make for myself and do, and then likely probably sell later because it's extra. Cash. I you know I, so, I want all the knives that I couldn't afford. I want an Applegate yeah. Fairbane com, uh, combat mm-hmm. dagger that yeah. I made myself. I want a Gerber Mark II Perfect. that I made myself. Yeah. Like, and I could turn the handle on the lathe. I've already figured out the engineering for mm-hmm. uh, like a. Uh, a blind nut that would result in the thong tube in the proper location using a crush washer oh, so I could clock it and yeah. then still have full compression against it. Uh, I could see, so yeah, I'm with you 100%. <laughs> knife nerds to the end. To the end, man. All right, Absolutely. Christopher R. Morris, favorite knife at the moment. Jim, what's your favorite knife? This Mike Irie knife. Oh, there it's you my go. favorite knife at the moment. Bam. It locks itself into your hand. It's well-made. It's dovetailed bolsters. Mr. Matt Martin had a really good blade show and was buying stuff for people and he picked this guy up for me. I truly and did. I love the crap out of it. I, I, I love Mike Irie's work. I have one of his uh, Barry Wood folders yes. that, he, that this guy made. Yep. He, that he, yeah. he made back in the early 90s. This guy. Yeah. yeah. With, and the, with the cigarette smoke stained mustache and all. The, the whole thing. The Mike's whole thing. my buddy. I look forward to seeing Mike every year. <laughs> I, I, he's just, he's such a cool guy, man. Yeah. That's awesome. No, but uh, this thing is entirely, it's it's hand finished. It's got a black linen. Is that black linen? Yeah. Black yeah, linen. Black yeah. linen micarta bolster front with a natural maple burl back end and two beautiful hollow pins and a hand rubbed finish um is that hollow ground mm-hmm. yeah yeah, oh, yeah yeah it's 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 hollow ground with a beautiful bevel it's sharp and it locks itself into your hand as soon as you as soon as you put your hand on it boom it becomes an extension of your hand and nice, it's just nice. and it's just like 
I can't tell you how many knives I deburred with this thing today. Sweet. And it was just I like constantly on my belt and just like with it the awesome. whole time. And I, I love it. I love it. It's cool. Mine's, well, Jim, Jim dug deep because I didn't, I gave this to him a couple months ago, uh, but I did just get that Marauder Companion uh, yesterday mm-hmm. or day before yesterday. And, and that was, that was the payback for giving me this. Yeah. Thing. And so and I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, kind of smitten with that. I didn't wear it today because <laughs> uh-huh. we had to go to the airport to take our daughter mm-hmm. to fly. And so I'm a fairly de-gassed. I threw a PM2 in my pocket, my pocket caddy with my uh, uh, Pioneer in it, but that was it. I didn't mm-hmm. put on a fixed play today. Uh, I'm trying to think of any knives that, you know, I have been... I have not, I, I usually, any day of the week, you could be like, what knife are you obsessed with this week? This week, I, I really have been cooling it and kind of focusing on work. So I haven't obsessed mm-hmm. over any knives, but I can feel I, the pressure building. Yep. Something's yep. going to ignite it. Right in the back of the skull, right about here. Yeah. Where it's, where, where it's like, you can feel. The new favorite the is on the horizon. Growing. I yeah. won't live mm-hmm. for another minute until I do that. All, All right. right. So let's see. Dan Schwemann Jr. What is the purpose of a full bolster on a chef knife? Is it more advantageous to go with a bolsterless chef knife? bolsterless chef knife in my research it seems as though the only thing this got a lot of words in it when i click the see more link um (laughs) in my research though the only thing a full bolster does is cause problems sharpening and ultimately begins to protrude as the blade is sharpened over time causing the blade to not have proper lockup with the cutting board so what's the point in a full bolster p.s you guys don't seem to give kitchen cutlery much love on the podcast, which is kind of ironic considering kitchen knives are probably the most used knives on the planet compared to pocket knives, bushcraft knives, or daggers. Matt, <laughs> that dagger part was for you. Thanks. Uh, I'm surprised no one ever seems to talk about the humble kitchen knife. That's because I can screw up a bowl of cereal. I'm not the culinary <laughs> type, dude. So, yeah, I work with what house. I know. It's funny. Yeah. yeah it's, not, it's not my wheelhouse. <laughs> Um, our best selling, it's funny that you should say this, Dan, but our best selling kitchen knives are the ones without bolsters. Boom. So, so, um, I totally understand where you're coming from with the bolster on the chef. Does knife. the bolster have to run all the way down to the heel of the blade? Can it, it just run up into, the, I mean, how much you would have no. to sharpen off like an inch and a quarter it, to get to the bolster, which, which is actually, um, so, so forever ago, Tom Blodgett, our, our friend, our friend agenda had actually had to do that. He had to, it was an integral bolster that was taken all the way down to the heel of the knife. Mm-hmm. And so it's like the actual knife. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hang on. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Okay, okay, so, right. the, oh, I, okay. So Jim and I both have two screens, but it's shared information, right? Uh, they're linked together. I don't know. Uh-huh. Synced or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah screen uh, shared. Yeah. Uh, yeah screen uh-huh. shared. And his messages are popping up on Facebook and, and he's kind of shooting people down or in one, it was a customer that he's like uh, addressing directly out of courtesy. And then this one pops up from uh, Mrs. Abigail Stewart. And it says, it's my wife. Their cat broke another screen. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> That's married life in two lines. Yes. Yeah. And then, and now we're responding. This Thanks, honey. We're recording on the podcast now. <laughs> I love you. LOL. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, I will not read her reply on air. <laughs> Hold on. Oh this is great radio. Yeah, this is fantastic. The cat broke another screen. That should be our slogan for the show <laughs> the cat broke another screen brought to you by behind the play podcast that was brilliant. so 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 anyway uh tom blodgett had had to sharpen that it was like a quarter inch of steel all the way down to the heel of the blade i know hinkles they're because they're integrally yeah. forged yeah right so the, the mm-hmm. bolster like is integral to the blade mm-hmm. and it's radius in and i keep hitting 
my GD pop filter and it's making me <laughs> insane. Uh, I, I apologize to you guys how this turned up. Uh, but yeah, I, I've no, I've run into issues sharpening that mm-hmm. myself. Yeah, because you have to reshape it. You have yep. to reshape all of that metal down to match the existing geometry. And it becomes and, like a and it becomes like a spitting wedge, just yeah. super thin. And then you got to try to blend a sharpness through that. Right. That's technically just in front of the handle. So whatever belt you're on starts to ride doesn't jump. right up to it so you have to like not jump over and yeah. screw that finish up and then you end up with like a cat chasing his tail that also broke a screen that <laughs> tried trying to get that all all nice and nice and finished so um so you know, um as far as kitchen knives go i love japanese kitchen knives for whatever reason i, love I like them. what they make yeah i like I, to eat i can't uh, cook but i like to eat <laughs> yeah i love i love how specific the japanese cutlery with the knives gets this is my cucumber slicing knife. This is my fish knife. This is my deboning knife. This so is, just just, yeah. just to put that in yeah. perspective mm-hmm. and, and expand upon it, the mm-hmm. habakishi mm-hmm. is a guy who makes the little brass collar mm-hmm. between the hand guard and the blade. So between the suba and yeah. the blade of a katana, there's that little kind of ferrule that goes around the blade. Yeah, that just to kind of get that last It's tension in the yeah. sheath and everything like mm-hmm. that. Um mm-hmm. That guy is part of a family mm-hmm. that only does that. Right. So, yeah, the <laughs> Japanese are really into specialized parts on their color. Like With everything, yeah. Super into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like that guy just makes those brass collars. Right. It's just, and it's part of the culture, and that's yep. fine. I yeah, mean, I think but, it's uh, cool. No, no, I mean, the, and, uh, and all the different types of handle constructions and everything, how specific they get, and left handed, right handed stuff. I mean, uh, commissory razors were sold left handed. And right-handed, you bought them in a set for two. You have two sides of your yeah. face, don't you? Yeah, so you need two of them, right? Right. right? And uh, and it is pretty cool. Yeah, that is awesome. So uh, moving on, Jeff Dunn. Not to not. It's pronounced Gioff. Is it really? No. Are you screwing with me? No. It's okay. Right. <laughs> Jeff Dunn is actually a graphic designer that uh, helped us with the Skin Bender Leather Works logo, which so looks amazing. Shout by out the way. to Jeff. So yeah. good, good job, Jeff. Um, Jeff Dunn. Not to. Co- not to just copy Mark the Maker, but I think it would be cool to hear what your choices would be if you could only keep three knives from your collection. Mark of the Maker, by the way, is another podcast. Mm-hmm. Our mortal enemies, bitter rivals. We talk to Tom almost every week. Yeah, the, no, not, not anywhere close. No, it's a, it's another <laughs> knife podcast yeah, hosted uh-huh. by Tom Krein and a series of others, including mm-hmm. special guests. I recommend you guys check it out. Mm-hmm, um, sure. These are friends and allies of ours. Like I said, I talk to Tom all the time. He, usually, he calls me up and is like, "Hey, man, you need to you need to tighten this up right here." And he's not criticizing, but he's like, "There's an easier way to do that, bro." And so he helps <laughs> me out so much. I can't even explain <laughs> the strides that I've gotten because of Tom. So That's go awesome. check out Mark of the Maker, mm-hmm. um, and you won't be disappointed. I. I think I I haven't listened to your show, Tom. I'm sorry. I'm rude. I, I am busy. <laughs> I probably should. We'll, we'll get there. I'm actually subscribed to you guys but on, my, have, on my phone. I've spent a lot of time on the phone with Tom. I know he's very articulate, and I bet you the show is amazing. Right. So, yeah. So, which, if you could only keep three knives from your collection, what would they be? Oh, does it have to be sentimental or practical? I think that's your choice. For me, it would be practicality. Because it's like, what kind of usage can I get out of owning just Sorry. these last three? So for me, the answer would be a very practical thing, a large, medium, and a small. You know, and then I would just pick up the plethora of, of the ones that I like in those categories. For right. Me. So for me, for me, that's very methodical. But because uh, if I'm paring everything down to just the three, 
to use because I would. Okay, I so let's just we'll so. just set that because yeah. it could be a rabbit hole if I got sentimental on. Oh, it. for sure. For so sure. Uh, practically speaking, I would keep my PM2, I would keep my Felkneven S1, and I would keep my uh, Hunglas SE Hunglas. Right, right. Following the same kind of paradigm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, hey, I don't know uh, if you heard this, Dan Schwemmen Jr., but I did not mention a single kitchen knife. someone just watched somebody's tv fly out of a window every knife is a kitchen knife if you're brave enough (laughs) so um which 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 three would i keep I don't know. I got to agree with you on the PM2. I would, I would probably go with my Springbok 2 for a medium-sized that's a good, knife. That's a good middle-sized knife. Which, very which, versatile. Which actually, from talking about it and really thinking about it, the reason why it didn't do very well is because it's too close to the Bushcrafter. No, I just don't think the market... Yeah. I don't think enough people have handled it. Because that is right, actually yeah. one of my favorite Bark River knives. Oh, thanks. Uh, nice. yeah, and I was like, dude, this thing is... <clears throat> this is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just right. right. It's just right. Yeah, no, I... I what told, thickness are on the spine are they? 156. Three, th- five, yeah, 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 five, yeah. That's why. Yeah, perfect, perfect, yeah. Perfect, perfect, perfect. No, it was, it was. That's, that was my beer math. That, that's <laughs> you saw, uh, my eyes glassed over so, it. I was all, uh, that sounds like a lot of digits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, and uh, and uh, for a large knife, for a large knife, what would be a good? Would be a good large knife. I really like our Golok. Um, Are you? Is this like a Bark River commercial? You don't d- like d- any d- other knives, I, dude? I know, I know, I, I, I know. It's it's really weird. I've never used the Hunglas. I've never, I've never used it. I've seen it, but I've never In used Russia, it. In Russia, you don't use Hunglis. Hunglis uses you. you. <laughs> Duh, <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah, it's it's really weird. Though. Like I've used lots of axes, like lots of so. so yeah, like, we're not counting axes, Jeff, because right. that's where it gets a little tacky. <laughs> <laughs> so I've like I've got my favorite types of axes in different combinations between heads and hafts. At that point, but it's like, but it's and like, you've never used like a large bush knife from any other manufacturer, like not a, the, not that that not that wasn't like a like a cheap Ontario machete, like way back in the that's day. That's what I carried in the jungle, the, man. The, I the, love it, that the, thing. I, I've it's taken in down. My, it's in my gallery in the in the lobby of the shop. The is, last time, the last time I used something that wasn't like a Bark River chopping thing was was one of the cheap Ontario knives. I, I built blinds with it. I would cut down poplars in one swing. And is that not enough that for you? I, I had fun at the time. There you go. You're so good. I mean, that, yeah, no, those you're were great. Up. I mean, yeah, no, I, I uh, <laughs> use it myself. I don't mean to criticize your. Cho- I'm it's like your fine. choice is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, no, no, but you're right. It should be diversified. It's cool. So, um, all right. Second part is what three would you like to permanently add to your collection if money were no option? Nothing is off limits. L- loveless, loveless, and loveless. No, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would get a loveless. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, 100%. Um, that would be my first thing. If, if money mm-hmm. were no object, and not because of hero worship, um, mm-hmm. quite honestly, it would be to throw the middle finger to the white glovers and use it. I Trust me, if I had a loveless, I would carry that MF. <laughs> we had this conversation weekly. before. I would yeah. be like, you know what? I... There are very few people mm-hmm. that I can relate to in this world. And I, I actually didn't know about Bob Loveless until I was looking up books pre-Amazon on how to make knives. And I had to send in my box tops virtually uh-huh. and get this book <laughs> in that came in used. And I was like, okay, here's how to make knives. And I said, man, I heard this name before because I had a Gerber Guardian mm-hmm. backup when I was a kid. And I was like, I know this. And come to find out that he's uh, 
Uh, he's kind of a cantankerous, a little bit on the bombastic side, but he's well-spoken, and he has an appreciation for uh, the female form. So I was like, <laughs> this is my kind of guy. And, uh, and after listening to interviews with him and stuff like that and kind of hearing his philosophy on things, um, there have been a lot of uh, thoughts and parallels. So uh, when you identify with a person, for me, it's very rare because I'm a little bit of a weird guy. Um, but um, he, seeing that and sharing a trade, which was not by design, it's not like I worship Bob and then started making knives. It just kind of evolved that way. And I said, man, this is really lightning striking twice. And mm -hmm. so if I could get my hands on a loveless money would be no issue. I would want something like a Lawndale Utility or a Dropped Hunter or something small, not like a Big Bear, not a dagger, mm -hmm. not something to put on display, something to put on my hip and use for its intended purpose. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, I would say 100% that's where I would sit uh, in, in one of three. Um, and I can – I can, man, I tell you what, I'm sure – a Jimmy Lyle Rambo, even a Gil Hibben Rambo. Sure. Like I yeah, would take yeah. a Gil Hibben mm -hmm. Rambo. Like that That's would be classic. Right? And I, and I, mean, I don't those, have those are one. expensive. Yeah. I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't have one. And how, how much be... is it for one of those? Is it $1,500 base or something yeah, like that? I, when or... I say Gil Hibben, I mean United. <laughs> so, <laughs> so $200. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> New with box. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Right. No, I think a Rambo yeah. knife would be, uh -huh. would be super bad. Um, and I don't know what the third one would be that I don't already have. Yeah, this this one's tough for me, so I don't know if I could help. Are there any but, knives in there that? You, what would be your three knives that you could fill your barn with, so to speak? One, one, one definitively me for me would be a Loveless Drop Hunter. Okay, definitively. I mean, because it's 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 a uh, it's one of the best combinations of lines that goes into a knife that I've ever seen in my life. Instant, instant fell, in, instant fall in love with. Of course, the and, whole world did. Right. The only, the only other knife that really kind of got the same reaction out of me was a Randall number three. Okay. With, 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 for whatever reason, that sinuous blade shape for me just absolutely captivated yeah. me. Yeah, Randall um, Model Three, the Hunter <laughs> Model, has got a swept, sweeping blade profile. That's pretty sweet. That's a knife that I would absolutely yep. carry every day. Yep. And 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 use it. I mean, just the, the five inch version, the smaller one. Yep. And and I would use it all the time. I don't know what about those lines and the culmination and the combination of how they come together for me is just absolutely purely awesome. It's just super cool stuff. And, uh, I don't know, man, give me an old Filipino kukri. Oh, that'd be a good one. Right. Philippi Phil Did the Filipinos have kukris? Yes. Question when, mark. When Himalayans? The British, yeah. When the British were there? Did they end up with them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I okay. think so. Yeah, is because uh, the British were stationed in the Philippines. And but feel anyways, free, anyways. feel free to correct me. I will absolutely recant. Yeah, I thought all that was this, a Gurkha thing. I thought that was a, a fairly. Is, but that is a Gurkha thing. Gurkhas are not not in the Philippines. They're way colder. Dude, I should know better. Himalayans. I, Himalayans. Yeah. I mean, uh, the British and the Himalayans. We're gonna it, scratch there that we go. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on. Where's my Where's my Where's my time turner? Matt Rourke. Up my Tibet and stuff. Yeah. Back to the Himalayans. Yeah. Um, so it would Yaks. be, <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm an idiot. Forget that. Um, I never will. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's so, the dynamic. But, this, yeah, is the, this is why it works. This is a dynamic. Is that, is that we forgive each other and we just roll with the punches. Right. I'm not editing that. So, um, but a kukri for sure. Okay, kukri. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I can yeah. see that. Um, I think I think uh, a fair a fair Ben Sykes uh, pattern 
two. I mean, I made myself one, That's but the real one. deal would be yeah. kind of cool. I maybe a Spetsnaz ballistic knife. Oh, I do those not little have silver bullet the, things. The, yeah. they got the, it's like it looks like a mag light with a bayonet hot right. glued to the end of it, and and they're pretty neat. I had it's my chance look. to get one when I was a don't, kid. Don't they have like a red button? On top of it too. The, usually, that's actually yeah. a rubber protective sleeve over the actual switch for gotcha. us, okay, Americans, because right. the Russians actually use their eyeballs to depress it. <laughs> uh, you know. And so, uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, so yeah, I would say so. I think that rounds out our three, mm-hmm. and then uh, Alex Harrison. Uh, Alex, I'm gonna try to get your company name right because it's got numbers, and I'm Liz Dexic AF. V58. I hope I'm getting that right. V58 uh, knife works, blade works. V58 mm-hmm. knives. I know that Frank is his logo, and Frank is a mustached uh, trooper, if I'm not mistaken, state mm-hmm. trooper uh, of some sort, uh, a law enforcement officer gotcha. wearing a smoky bear with a big old mustache, <laughs> and you can see a skull. And that was actually made by Robert Peterson. Uh, I know that Alex. I'm going on a tangent. Forgive me. It's the way I connect dots. <laughs> uh-huh. Alex Harrison, V58 Blade Works. His logo is a state trooper or some sort of LEO wearing a smoky bear with a big mustache. Uh, and it's a skull. And the skull's name is Frank after, uh, I want to say it was an FTO of Alex's. Let me try to get this right. Mm-hmm. However, the original bead was created. And I, I think there's only one out there. was created by Robert Peterson of Mad Art Studios, who does our beads, our Louis beads, ah, our dead King uh-huh. Louis skulls with the crowns. Mm-hmm. This guy is the master caster, and he yeah. does, I mean, eat your heart it's, out, Starling, because it's these really things nice. have got like just infinite character and soul to them, and they are not mass-produced. In fact, it's actually a pretty late group of people who can get their hands on them um, because Robert is an artist, and when you feel the works um, – I am going so tangential. I haven't even got to the GD <laughs> question yet. I'm sorry, Alex. Uh, V58 Blade Works, check him out. Alex mm-hmm. is a great guy. I got to meet him at Blade in person, but we've talked online for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. Can you guys talk about the Quartermaster and what goes into a successful collaboration as well as what considerations are made that are unique to doing a historic piece? Um, Alex, it's an historic piece. Grammatical correction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, no, uh, so so here's the thing, though. Yeah. I mean, this is the big challenge: is you're you want to do uh, a low fidelity interpretation of a historic knife mm-hmm. that also serves the spirit of the original design justice. Yes. So you don't want to insult it <clears throat> right. by going way off the rails and be like, hey, this is a sword knife. You know what I mean? Right. Or oh, this is a quartermaster. And it's not even close. And mm-hmm. it becomes kind of offensive, like you're riding coattails at that yeah, point. Right, right, right. But there is a point where people are no longer using their cataraguses if they know better or their cases uh, if they know better. And they want a practical modern steel version of it that they can use mm-hmm. and still kind of get uh, enraptured by the history of it. You right. know what I mean? There's yeah. something about pulling a knife out that was used in the four and going and building camp and saying, you know what, I can do anything with this piece of kit, mm-hmm. this tool. Um, so, yeah, I and we're, what, we're both we're both on the same page about that. Uh, is, is going into maintaining that spirit of operation. Yes, right. Oh, Absolutely. that's good. Yeah, you're good with the phrases lately, man. You've been nailing. It's it. just this one time. Okay. If you remember the last question we had. <laughs> <laughs> <You're right. laughs> so, um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. We just want to. We just want to kind of maintain that spirit so it has to still have the same lines it still has to look the same but it still has to also fit our production model and also maintain that same spirit yeah but it should as a modern interpretation it should 
be sexed up a little bit. Oh yeah, definitely. Just definitely. I mean, mm-hmm. just I mean, we're talking about taking like just a dash of cayenne pepper and throwing it into the pot right. and just giving it a little bit of spice <clears throat> to correct some of the things that were omitted because they were designed and manufactured under a certain level of duress. Yeah, absolutely. And they had to get out their quota for the day and they had to they had to they had to go with marines. Right. So they had to get out the door. Right. So so there's um there's some compromises that were that were made that we don't have to make that we can just include into the design and production process. That's it. So um and they're fairly easy to see if you look at a 225Q you can pick them out. You can find out what they are. Yep. And we just we just produce our way right around those. So hopefully so, this goes well. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, ho- yeah. we don't know. Yeah, until we, until we, they hit the shelves. We've all been on the same page about it. We hope it'll go well. Um yeah, we should do we should do another video like we did with the uh Sog with the Sog the with, with, yeah. with, with Sog and It's exhilarating though. I mean mm-hmm. when you're when you're you're like, dude, okay, we've put a lot of hours into design. You guys have put countless hours into manufacturing mm-hmm. and production. Yeah, they're in heat and, tree right now. Uh, which is very, very yep. exciting mm-hmm. to me. And and then you're just like you sit on your hands and you stare at the clock and you're like, Are people gonna like these right. or are they gonna be a wet fart? And you just don't know. So, yeah. yeah. So, so to answer yeah. your question, uh, we've had successful campaigns. I can't say that we were fully aware of what secret sauce went into the successful campaign other than just pouring your heart out into it, cultivating a good, strong following and hoping for the best. Yeah, absolutely. I think we have time for uh, maybe maybe one more question here or maybe two. Probably good away with two. Okay. Yeah, probably good away with two. Yeah. All right, uh, Jim, What what's your favorite handle wood to work with and why? For me, that's a toss-up between Desert Ironwood and Cocobolo. My favorite to work with. And why? Is it the carcinogens or? <laughs> <laughs> it's that everyone else is allergic to them right. except for me and I can work alone. Right. No, no, no. It's um, it's because they grind and polish like micarta. Oh, there you go. And, and, and I don't need to worry about over-hafting it and making it get really small like you would with like say lace wood or spalted maple. Right. Those are extremely soft woods that if you're not careful with, they're gone and you've underhafted the wood and you've exposed the sides of the tank. No good. And then all of a sudden you've got a bump over it because somebody wasn't paying attention and ran over the polish wheel too hard. Right. Or something and that knife is now rejected. We got to go back and do it again and 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 uh, so versus you never see that with ironwood. You never see that with cocobolo. And you get you get the strength and rigidity and like the chatoyance is the word to describe the depth that you see in polished wood, um, but you but that doesn't compare to the banding that you'll find in cocobolo. There you go. The the dark black lines and sometimes the purple tints, the orange tints, and how it all kind of blends together. Um, it's extremely satisfying for me to see those start in their rough form, get a rough shape, start to refine all the way down, all the way to two thousand, and then they get then they look like piano the, keys by the time oh, you're done. They are yeah. gloss yeah, by the time I'm done with it. So those are those are those are my favorite handles to work with. So for me it's a toss up between those two. There you go. And there's no there's no stabilization required. They are dense enough that you can just polish them and they're fine. But if you get them stabilized, they still pol- they still work exactly the same. They're just stabilized. Gotcha. So so it's it's just, you know, dealer's choice at that point. I would so that's me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite handle wood to work with is uh, black, black canvas my carta. Black <laughs> my carta. Yeah, yeah. yeah, which I don't blame at yeah, all no. because it doesn't move. Yeah. Does not. So one more. Who's your favorite professional wrestler and why? And mm-hmm. I'm going to say Which, the, or whichever one uses the least amount of oil uh, uh, between Andre the Giant and the Swedish Angel. Ooh. And mm-hmm. uh, and let's see. Hang on. I'm going to skip a couple guys. Hold on. I'm cherry picking right now. Uh, uh, serendipitous discoveries are being asked in this one and i can't think of any 
off the top of the, my head. And that is, okay, tips and tricks on getting a hand rub finish not to look like a sun-dried dog turd. Also, does Pierce Walker, Johnstone Taylor, you're surprised I knew his middle initials, aren't you, Laura? <laughs> uh, randomly send you all weird Photoshop stuff, too. Um, actually, Pierce's, uh, he can, <laughs> this is going to sound weird. Pierce pretty much only sends me pictures of his son. Uh, because he photoshops <laughs> knives into his hands and then photoshops teeth into his mouth and it kills me. And all the other garbage that Pierce sends me, uh-huh. I remind him that is uh, non grata. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, uh, so, yes, he does. And uh, I would say most offensively, uh, Pierce sends us stuff in the physical mail, like a calendar of his feet holding various knives and brass knuckles. So that was pretty adorable. Um <laughs> Yeah, I still have oh, that. We need, piece we need of to garbage. build that joke up. When yeah. we get our audience bigger, we could sell that. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> no. Because you guys would buy that, right? Uh, tips and tricks on getting Silence. a hand rub finished. You, you <laughs> want to talk about something that Tom's going to call me on. This is it. I think, right. I think Tom has beaten me in knife making by roughly three decades. Uh, maybe, no, maybe that's, two and a half decades. That's a significant amount. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, tips and tricks on getting a hand rub finished not to look like a sun dried dog turd. So, uh, you need to counter polish. Uh, so even if you run it in oblique, uh, if you start off with a 220, which I highly do not recommend, you can, uh, over the years, I've learned that you can start at a 400 and it can damn near take mill skin off. Mm-hmm. Um, 400 is plenty fine enough. So if you go uh, uh, parallel to the spine of the knife with a 400 and then you go at like a 30, 45 degree, and these aren't specific angles, just it's know just that they're angles. different yeah. angles that whatever your natural uh, body mechanics run at, um, you know, uh, not oblique to that. Not It's like perpendicular, but at a slant. Mm-hmm. So oblique to that run at, a 600 and then drag your 1000 moving parallel to the spine again. And by that's considered counter polishing, right? So by doing that, you're eliminating all the scratches from the previous grit. And it's easier to see the scratches from the previous grit because they're going in a different direction than what you are. It highlights them like nothing. It like cellulite on a fat chick under a fluorescent light, dude, they will jump right out at you. So, uh, so I would, (laughs) The, the, that glows, by the way. Yeah, it just, yeah. <laughs> you can see it from space. Uh, but anyway, so that is one thing. Another thing is um, there are two schools of thought in this. I have found that I can get good hand rub results by letting my paper, as I get completely beyond the scratches of the previous grit, letting it get dull. And effectively, that burnishes the highs a little bit. It's true. And it, and it yep. smooths everything out to a nice, even finish. And then you can come in. And with 10 to 20 passes of a fresh piece of uh, sandpaper wrapped around your sanding block, just do really no start, no stop marks. You need to kind of learn how to sweep in um, if your handle's mounted up, you know, and you don't have time to just get your approach beginning on the tang and then drawing out to the tip of the blade. Uh, you need to get master that kind of sweep in, uh, attack and depart mm-hmm. without having a start stop mark um, lubricants that you can use on there. You can use water. Um, you can use Windex, you can use WD-40 and on your, and this is quite honestly in ascending order for how difficult the steel is being at that time. Mm-hmm. So water is going to be your lightest lubricant. Obviously Windex is going to be another one. And this basically just clears out the grit. And allows basically, you to get, yeah. As soon as you spray it on there, it's, it's, it's cleaning agent. Yeah, basically, and, it, yeah. and it works as you go. Now, Bob mm-hmm. Ignath was a big proponent of not putting so much that you create a slurry. Um, Bob can grind hundreds and hundreds and hundreds more knives a day by himself than I can. And who am I to tell him that he's wrong? Except on this, I have found personal good results of using 
being just a small, uh, like a, uh, what would you, about three eighths diameter dot of whatever your lubricant is Mm -hmm. on a one by one square. If that gives you any frame of reference as far as saturation amount. Um, so that's about what I use. Uh, I do not use water, but I will use Windex. Um, I will use WD 40 Mm -hmm. and on really tough stuff like three V I have found tree tremendous benefits from using you sit down folks thread cutting oil and the compounds that are in the thread cutting oil <laughs> yep. actually cut the steel and so yeah, that's it, what it's designed for i mean it, it blew is. my mind the first time you told me that too and yeah. it is something that i can mm-hmm. take a piece of hardened 3v whereas previously with wd-40 mm-hmm. the paper just skates across and every pass the paper smoked making zero difference mm-hmm. however with thread cutting oil i'm actually able to bear down and get an even scratch pattern out. nice so um, I'm going to say that as far as tips and tricks go, listen to that segment once or twice and you'll be able to jot down a little note list. And if uh, Tom Crine calls me to tell me that I am wrong, which I am probably a little bit wrong and he is a friggin' guru, um, then I will relay that to you as well, Aura. And so uh, anyways, I believe that is a podcast. So thanks for bearing with that, guys. Uh, thanks to Tyler Schmeling for hooking us up with the microphone. I can tell you what, I have enjoyed the sound of my own voice in these earmuffs this evening. Thanks to you. And uh, it's good to be back in the saddle. You guys have a great one. Until next time. So earlier in the podcast, you heard uh, one of our listeners, Mr. Aura Applenalp, good buddy of mine and uh, supporter of Vehement Knives as well. Uh, he asked a question about hand sanding and what you can do to help uh, eliminate that dog turd-like finish, as he so eloquently put it. Um, one product that I can recommend, and although this is an ad, this is something that I actually believe in and is a part of my consistent, regular knife-making kit is the Chosera Slip Stones that are available from Genda Industries. Now what these are is these are um, narrow sticks that you can get into those tight areas like your plunges or you can kind of systematically eliminate those trouble scratches that you're having a hard time getting to with uh, flat sandpaper wrapped around a sanding block. So I invite all of you to go check out and just put yourself together a little sample pack of these. I think I run 320 up to 1000 grit in my specific loadout of sticks and that i don't know if those are the limitations of gen industries or not um or if maybe i should try to branch out into some other grits as well but i do run the 320 the 500 and the 1000 the most out of the set that i have right now so go check them out that's gen industries j as in juliet e-n-d-e industries.com and please be sure to tell them that behind the blade sent you